0: Welcome to the 235th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew lookin They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash jmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome, and if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I just recently discussed all the different live-action Resident Evil movies, the Mia Jovovich, the Paul Anderson, whatever, Paul W.S. Anderson movies. You can hear about all the six of them and more. Um, I'm gonna start going back into some like retro cool comics to lighten things up a little bit. but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash from heck and you can buy me a couple virtual cup of coffee or three as ko-fi.com slash man from heck right So this week there's no big huge theatrical release. I didn't go to the movie, which is weird when I when I don't go to the theater. I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So that came out, what, last week on Netflix. And uh, you can hear all about that. I definitely have some things to say about it. You can also hear about uh, w- what, Severance. So I started talking about Severance last week. I just got just touched on the intro. So you can hear about the first two episodes. Um, the third episode is available. So I think we're going to be like a week behind with, with that. So hopefully you'll be okay with that. It gives you a chance to watch it and, and catch up if, if you are doing so i watched all of space for season two there's just seven episodes this season so you can hear briefly about that it's not super long in depth like the netflix shows usually tend to go on this show and superman lois is back and there's more bizarro action and it's it was really good and of course no piercer (laughs) all that um plus comics and let's what what about the news what's going on this week so it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of news this week. And yes, I, I've said that many times before, but really uh, there, there wasn't. There's uh, apparently kind of sort of talks about a sequel to the Batman already, which, I mean, makes sense. But uh, Matt Reeves says, you know, if, if so, it's, it's kind of far off. You know, they're really focused on the first movie right now. He's like, you don't make a number one movie as if there's a number two. You know, you you basically you want to put all your effort into the one movie, you know, swing for defenses or something like that, which, you know, it kind of makes sense when when you feel a movie is deliberately setting up the sequel that kind of short changes it a little bit, you know, unless you're doing something. I mean, I mean, you could look at like Dune, not that Dune was setting up. I mean, it wasn't setting up the first movie for a sequel. It's just that they had to do the movie in two parts. But when you get to the end of the, of the first Dune movie, it's like, wait. That's it. It's this isn't a complete movie, so not quite the same situation. But you know, I kind of get that where, you know, you you don't want to leave it where there's just a big big cliffhanger, and then it's like wait. So we'll see. Any talk about you know there's there's other ways for them to you know tell stories. You know, he's talking about like, the HBO Max show with like you know Penguin and all that. So we'll see next week. You know, it's almost here or this week actually. So yeah, it's getting closer. Um, if you haven't seen spider-man no way home yet I don't know what to tell you but what I will I guess what I can tell you is March 22nd it will be available digitally that means to purchase digitally it's not going to be it is definitely not gonna be streaming on Disney plus anytime soon if ever because it's a Sony thing so it'll be going elsewhere but you can um purchase it digitally on March 22nd but if you are into like 4k blu-ray all, all that stuff, ultra hd you can get that on april 12th so i i don't like when they do this digital early and then you have to wait like 2 or 3 weeks for the physical cuz i would rather get the physical than certain things so but it's it's coming soon and you may have seen that there was a certain image a meme image that, that was released which was really cool it's weird that it took you know like over 2 months but i guess because of spoilers and all that so that that makes sense but it was cool that they they did that Tom Welling still kind of talking about this animated Smallville movie which no one you know Warner Brothers or CW haven't they're like, they haven't said anything about it so Tom Welling and they keep talking because firstly he mentioned it on a cameo like someone you know the cameo where you can pay a celebrity to record it like a video for yourself or someone else so he mentioned it just casually uh, at Vancouver um or Van expo vancouver he was talking about it and he's saying that that yeah they want to get the, the cast they want to you know tell ever you know the continue their stories he's like uh, getting al gao gao and miles miller might be a little harder because they're doing like you know big movies whatever but as soon as they get the stories they want to get get working on it and you know so they want to get everyone um you know erica durance as lois and even like sam jones the third uh as pete they're like allison might be a little tougher I wonder why, but it, it's weird that he's just, I don't, I don't know, I feel like that if this was in a work, they'd be like, hey, dude, you, you shouldn't be talking about this, you know, we're not ready to announce this yet, and he's just going on about it, but maybe he's just excited, so th- there's that, it, but it's weird that no one's talking about it, I don't know, and yeah, so these things, usually they, they have like big announcements or whatever, you know, so we'll see. Craven Hunter, there's like all these like casting news, like you know different. Taylor Page is apparently going to be playing Calypso, which you know that that makes sense. Um, Dmitri Shmerdakov is going to be the Chameleon, um, and then you know there's already Russell Crowe is is going to be uh, someone. I, th- I think he's going to be like a older Cravenoff or something like that. So let's we'll see. There is talk about um, America Chavez is character in Multiverse of Madness and saying how they've been wanting to get her in in the movie for a while. And so this is a character who can like punch through reality, like, you know, just kind of walk through a different, you know, reality. And, and they're saying how this might be a uh, con- kind of concern for, you know, Dr. Strange and because they're trying to stop this from happening and, and she could just casually do that. So um, it'll be interesting to see like what, what they, they do with, with her character, but also, Rachel McAdams confirmed that her character is no longer romantically involved. Uh, Christine Palmer is no longer with Stephen strange. That makes sense, I I, I guess, because, you know, he is Dr. Strange now and, you know, he kind of gave up his personal life and, you know, she's being a doctor or whatever. So it kind of, kind of makes, makes sense that they're not together. Um, According to Vin Diesel, he he posted a, a Instagram post. Fast and the Furious Ten is now filming in London, so it's like okay. Uh, I still I still think it's I th- I think I mentioned it. I think it's pretty crappy that he tried guilting Dwayne Johnson into you know having a part and you know putting like you know the the legacy of Paul Walker and all that. And it's just like dude, that that's just really really shady to do it like publicly trying to call him out and do that, but. Guess that's just what what he he, he does. So <laughs> I don't know. Oh, other casting news. It's like it seems like oh, all this casting stuff. Aaron Pierre is going to be joining the Blade Marvel's Blade, Blade movie in some some undisclosed role. It's like okay, don't know anything about that. Who he could possibly... I don't I don't know who this guy is. Uh, hopefully, uh, good luck to him. Hopefully he gets a cool role and not some just like you know lame role supporting role. When I heard something about, uh, there's a movie, I think, I think it's a movie, called for The Boogeyman, which is a, a 1973 Stephen King short story that they're adapting. I don't know if I've read this story, because I've read pretty much everything, but if it's a 73 short story, it's possible I haven't. It's apparently about a pair of sisters confronting a mysterious supernatural lurker as they grapple with the death of their mother. Um, doesn't, that doesn't sound familiar, so it might be in one of those, some, you know, one of the anthology collections, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know about that, I, I'm a sucker for anything Stephen King, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, also on Instagram, she confirmed that she finished wrapping Halloween Ends, so that is, a. <laughs> That's, that's, that's ready. I, what I'm laughing is because uh, speaking of Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So the uh, director David Blue Garcia he mentioned in an interview with Hollywood Reporter that he's um hoping for a sequel. Uh, He said, I've actually brainstormed quite a bit about what would happen in a continuation of this story or just another tale in this world. I have some really cool ideas that I'd love to have the opportunity to pitch if Legendary wants to make another one. There's also things when I watch this movie that I look back and I wish I had done. So I've got those in my back pocket if I ever get to do another one. And of course there's that teaser at the end of the film so there's definitely a future to explore. So like I said, you can can hear more about that. I won't say anything more (laughs) right now about this but yeah so so good luck hopefully there'll be a sequel for him uh ian McDermott the whatever says he basically said it's it's not like impossible for emperor palpatine to be in the obi-wan kenobi series uh he said i think i have to accept that thanks to my ungrateful granddaughter my annihilation was finally final But of course, Darth Vader is back in a new Obi Wan Kenobi television series. So I suppose it's not impossible that one day his mentor might be discovered once again skulking in the shadows. Something like that. So maybe, maybe, uh, obviously, it's probably not, if it was going to happen, he would, unless he's just being coy about it. But he, you know, he would know because it's, is it finished, I'm assuming? must be finished because, you know, it's going to be coming in just a a few months. So, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the whole, even the idea of seeing Darth Vader in Obi-Wan Kenobi, it just, it seems weird because, you know, it's not like he's going to be coming to Tatooine. But, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Oh, going back to Doctor Strange, uh, Patrick Stewart had some things to say about... He wouldn't confirm or deny that he he's in a trailer or whatever, but he's like, you know, people have been imitating, <laughs> really bad, people have been imitating my voice ever since I came on stage 60 years ago, so I can't be held responsible for that. Of course, you know, he's, he's not going to admit it. Yeah, that was me. You know, he's not going to say that. But it's it's funny that I'm seeing all these things like Patrick Stewart confirmed, but Marvel is ditching Hugh Jackman for a new Wolverine. and it's it's again, it's those hate articles that they're, they're really just trying to stir things up. It's like if so there's a rumor of Wolverine appearing. And if they do, Hugh Jackman has made it clear. He's like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of done. I don't really want to do the whole workout. It's like an intense workout regime. He's like, I'm you know, I'm not a spring chicken. And, you know, he he was jacked up in, in, was he jacked up in Old Man Logan? But, you know, definitely Wolverine 3. So he's, he doesn't want to do it. And it would be weird because, you know, that was supposed to be the final thing. While fans, including me, would love to see, you know, a Wolverine and Deadpool, you know, some sort of crossover battle or something, you know, with Ryan Reynolds. But it's I think he's, he's just like, you know, Logan, that was it. That was the end. So let, let's just let it be so people just trying to stir things up it's just ridiculous uh brie larson has mentioned that the captain marvel sequel is bonkers you know she says that uh she's talking about the director nia da casa she's saying how it's like an honor to work with her and you know what talent she is you know she feels like she's the future and she says that, you know, when I read the script for the first time, I couldn't believe what I was reading. I was like, this is bonkers. And this is the thing I love about Marvel is that they continue to reinvent. They continue to do the thing that you would never think would be possible for these films. And they're not afraid to go there. And then uh, some Peacemaker news, not really news. Uh, there was a 10-minute gag reel that was released by James Gunn. So if, if you're hankering for for more... Uh, you you can you get that, and um, also I this I didn't mention this uh, last week because I didn't know about it. But apparently Marvel filmed the scene in the finale. I don't think I talked about this. So, you know, I know I, I mentioned a couple of people, but um, it was the end scene, the big uh, cameo scene, or whatever. James Gunn. I guess it was filmed while they were doing Guardians of Galaxy three, and he's like, "It's like yeah, Marvel was really cool to you know to to do that," and um, but he's like. It was kind of like a returning the favor because Warner Brothers filmed uh, I forget the character the actor's name the guy who played Mern. they filmed his uh his audition tape for for Guardians of the Galaxy you know they're like yeah we'll do that so they were cool and so I, I like that the idea that the Mar that you know Marvel Studios and Warner Brothers are kind of being cool even though they're they're competing but they're t- totally different things and the fact that you know you have James Gunn brilliantly working for for both of them you know doing you know things that the fans are, are loving so i i think that 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 was cool oh and there's this other thing <laughs> i love james gunn sometimes you know, he just he gets right to it so uh i guess i'll call him out giant freaking robot they they posted a tweet and they have posted some things on that i've seen i don't i've never really visited her site i don't think i have maybe i have but sometimes their posts show up in my my new Facebook news I don't know where Facebook why it selects these certain outlets like like site whether it's by cookies or whatever it's not pulling sites that I've actually gone to so it's putting up all these other weird some sites I've never heard of you know which that does I'm you know I, I'm just a, I, I'm not everywhere but sometimes it's like it, it seems like where's a confirmation in this it's not official but anyways so they, they tweeted Uh, Bane is going to be part of the Peacemaker second season, likely as one of the primary antagonists. So it's like, and then there's like a link, you know, so there's on Twitter and there's a link to exclusive, you know, they heard this first. And then James Gunn quote tweeted it, not shying away from it. He's like, don't you know by now to make sure of this stuff before posting? This is bull poop no one knows what's coming but me and even i don't fully know this is why i i hate when there's rumors you know because all these people are like yeah source says this source says that maybe they have sources and all that but it's like there's no confirmation and i i still i'm baffled that someone working and in some capacity with you know that they would be like hey yeah by the way here here's some news for for your site you know i'm going to tell you i'm going to risk my job I'm gonna hope that you're not gonna tell anyone that I told you, but apparently, apparently, people are doing that, and I don't know if there's money involved and stuff like that. Because you know, I always said it when I was at you know Comic Vine, Gamespot. I heard things. You know, people confided stuff with me, but it was not the, they 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 would t- told me stuff because they knew I wouldn't say anything. Because you know, as soon as if, in, in that situation, as soon as you say something, that trust is gone. And, you know, I, I would never do that. And I, yes, I can keep a secret. And the same thing, you know, a lot of times uh, we would get embargoed news. It's the same thing, you know, here's like big important stuff, like, holy crap. And, you know, it's, it's awesome when you get the, you get to know about it ahead of time because then you can prep your article and and be ready to go. And then once the the green light is lit or whatever, then boom, there, there you go. And everyone, you know, reports on the same thing because they all have the embargo news, but getting these like insider stuff and, I I would feel, you know, unless someone can't see I don't even think I know if I would do that. I, I just didn't think it would be weird if someone's like, Hey, by the way, I'm working on this. You know, if you want to post about this, I just, you know, there, there's one thing. Yeah. You don't want to like kiss the butts of the studios or whatever, but I would imagine if, if you're posting, you know, secrets and whatever that they're not going to be too happy, but I guess it's also like, you know i know at where i'm at now i'm not getting invited to any premieres or anything like that you know i'm i'm not you know i i've taken a step back as as far as being a smaller fish now instead of you know a medium sized fish but i still don't think i would i don't think i would post or talk about anything cuz it, it just would seem it just seems wrong maybe i'm just just naive or a dork or whatever but i don't know but What I do know is that that is, I guess that's it for the news for for this week. So not not too short. I managed to to ramble and drag it on for a bit. Okay, with comic books at Image, we had Deadly Class Fifty One. So this was a this was an interesting issue because it. So what I hate is that we're we're at the we're near the end of the series. We're very close. I still don't know. I thought I knew what when the last issue was. Uh I thought I found it I figured it out last month. Because last month I thought that, that I thought issue 50 was the last issue. Thank goodness it wasn't. But anyways, this one, we we get to see like Marcus in action like on a mission. And um he you it's kind of a spoiler, not really a spoiler, but you can see on the cover someone else is gonna be showing up. And it was just really cool to see. And even this this part right here, seeing Marcus, you know, we we saw so much of him, like, starting out at the school, you know, school for assassins as like a teen and just kind of like this, like, you know, teen with the attitude type of thing and everything. (laughs) But it would be so cool just to explore more of this this time period and just to see him after the fact and like what he's done. And, you know, it's just it hasn't been a pleasant life, it looks like for him, but, you know, it would just be so cool to see this and and i guess you know maybe I'm, I'm just selfish you know i would i just would love for this series to have gone on and on and on and you know keep going but we we have that so this is a series Is like i can't wait to you know read this all over again from the beginning and and it's just it's such a such a great great series and i just i can't get enough of it then we have a department of truth 16 this issue you know so i, I love the series but i have to say that f- something about this this issue in itself didn't quite do it for me and it kind of d- jumps back a little bit and we see you know Lee Harvey Oswald and we're we're getting some answers but th- there's a lot of like trippiness going on so the art you know we have art by Allison Sampson here who's kind of like guest guest art i guess and it's very trippy and and just really i guess shows like the situation stuff like that and i don't know if that was just like more of a distraction for me and just trying to to, to sift through all the visuals and and just like all it like what is going on and just it's just i don't know i, I i'm sure at the heart of it it was an important issue but it, it was just i wasn't quite feeling it at the moment i don't i don't know what it was maybe i needed to be like tripping or something like that to enjoy it a little more but something about it just just didn't quite work so but like I said if, if you are reading the series overall there's there's some answers and I don't really want to spoil anything about a certain lady with um X's on her eyes then we have gunslinger spawn issue 5 this is the other theory so I, I mentioned I think I mentioned King I think King spawn was last week. But Gunslinger Spawn, I don't really know anything about this character. I know he's a separate character, and, and I, I'm curious to see more. Um, but I haven't read any of these issues either because I'm I just feel like it's it's going to be just confusing and everything like that. But I, I'm really curious to see like what the deal is with this character. And I know I should just dive in, and you know, with Brett Booth being involved, you know, that should be reason enough there. And uh, looking at the synopsis for this issue, The Return of the New and More Powerful Clown, clown <laughs> continues. I don't know what I was going to say. Clown? Clown? So I'm really curious, but I guess maybe not curious enough to actually... I, I, I should read it at, at some point, but we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, then we also had Supermassive. Um, I started reading this... So Supermassive is supposed to be, <laughs> according to the synopsis, the superhero crossover event of 2022. It has Radiant Black. He launches his first ever cr- crossover event with the Image Comics debut of Infernal Girl Red and the first appearance of Rogue Sun. The future of Image Superpower Universe is here. I started reading it. And now reading this the synopsis, if this is a debut, because I was like, when I was reading it, I'm like, who are these characters? Like, what what is this? Is is this a crossover with something? Because I knew it was, it was crossing over with something. And I thought, is this just something that I haven't read yet? It's like, am I supposed to know who this is? Am I supposed to care who this is? And then I just stopped after, like, like the first or second page, because I didn't know who it was. And I was like, maybe this is a crossover with something that I just don't know what it is, but... Uh, if it's the the debut of these characters and maybe I should go back and, and check it out. But you know me, I, I just feel like I've been getting not not necessarily like fickle, but just I just don't want to spend time reading stuff if if it's not catching my attention. And and I don't know if it's, you know, again, just me getting older and you know, get off my lawn type of thing, but I'm I'm looking at you know my my time is limited. You know I'm I'm stretched at as it is. You know trying to read all this stuff and and I know I or I it's not that I have to do, it, but I feel like obligated to cover this stuff for you guys and gals. But it's it's also at the same time it's like I I can't just use my time if it's not going to hold my interest. Well, well, I mean it's something I need to work on, but we'll see. At um, IDW, I did read GI Joe. 289. So I've been talking, if, if you've been listening, you know, I've been talking, I was like, man, I want to get back into G.I. Joe. I want to get back into G.I. Joe. And, and I keep, keep saying, it's like, well, I got to read this, this big event and this and that and everything. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do it. Cause I, I read the synopsis for this and it sounded like, okay, it's not in the middle of a big, massive story arc. So I was like, I could just check it out. So what it says is one is a former Cobra operative turn Joe, after being implanted with the memories and skill of the original snake eyes that right there, I'm like, what? So I I'm, I totally don't know who this character is. Uh, the other is a former victim of child trafficking who is possessed of a unique set of strategic and war-fighting skills and who have become the Joe's deadliest secret weapon. Together, they are an awesomely dangerous force to be reckoned with. Um, it's Don Moreno and Agent Helix. <laughs> I mean, it, it's weird that like one character's name is Don, Don Moreno, because they're calling her Don, and everyone... I'm just so used to ever having these weird, you know, GI Joe code names, and well, I guess Scarlet isn't. I mean, whether whatever, but that that's not her real name, right? What's her real name? Is not her name Shayna? Sh- I can't remember. But anyways, I saw I read this issue, and it's um it it was interesting because there, which is actually it's interesting, but it's also um there's some silliness going on. So Mindbender and this this other girl uh, I think he's called her Laura at one point I, again I haven't been read Joe in forever so I'm I'm so out of it but I'm trying so they're going to meet with this dude there's like these cyborgs that are working on like battle bots basically for them you know soldiers he you know he, he as underway there he's mentioning how it's close to AI but it's not AI so that way you know there's there's no like error and, and you know because you don't want them to have AI you don't want them to have have uh, you know full free thought or whatever but hmm is that gonna be a good idea and then uh these two uh don marino and agent helix they they go there to try to see what's going on and, and they see like uh, some like weapons testing or of uh, these robot things cyborgs whatever you want to call them drones droids not droids but um, so I, I'm kind of intrigued with these characters. Uh, I'm I'm really curious more about, I think it was Don, Don Moreno, who's the one implanted with Snake Eye's memories. I, what? So I, I don't know what that means. Uh, at Boom Studios, I just realized, oh, man, I didn't read anything at Boom. I thought I read everything. Uh, Berserker issue seven came out. I didn't re- read that, so... Uh, hopefully i will remember to talk about that that next week. i thought it was like okay, i'm actually reading something at idw which you know i'm trying to get back into doing that cuz i i just haven't for for a while. um i totally forgot about you know cuz i've been you know trying to get back into you know re- reading boom cuz i i kind of haven't been lately but um i thought i read everything but i didn't read any boom. so <laughs> oops. at dc we had action comics 1040. man, so it's it's more of superman on Warworld, you know, fighting to try to liberate these people, and I'm just, I just, I'm not into this this story arc, and I don't know how long it's gonna last, you know. So we have a, you know, he's he's pretty depowered because there's like some Red Sun technology, whatever, that's running Warworld or generators or something like that, and you know, he's he's got some allies with him, but they're all basically prisoners, and it's just. And it's also weird because this is a lot of like what we saw in one of the future state books. We saw like Superman in his little like barbarian shorts, you know, shirtless fighting for the, for the people. And But I just, you know, I, I started reading uh, like John Byrne, Superman, you know, from the 80s, late 80s. And I just I miss that so much. And and I guess that's the, the good thing about it. If you want to look at it that way, where if people are enjoying this, awesome. That's great. And, you know, you can say, well, you have the old books you can read and stuff like that. I just love the, the class. I'm just really, I would rather, you know, take some time and read those, even if I've read them before, you know, a while back. But I, I just missed the whole Clark Kent secret identity. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just action fighter, barbarian Superman is just not my cup of tea. Then there was Aquaman, number one. So there's something going on. Uh, people are being turned. You know, they're, they're be- some something's affecting people. Like normal people are getting turned, and they start speaking like some old Atlantean language or something like that. We have we have um, Arthur and and Jackson working together, and they're both going by Aquaman, which is kind of weird. You know, I guess it's just like Spider Man and Miles Morales both being Spider Man. And Black Manta's taking, you know, an, an interest in like what's going on too. But is Black Manta evil still? Is he, you know, is there a bigger threat? What's going on? Oh, we have stupid Ocean Master, which is I, I don't know what it is about Ocean Master. And I, I feel bad for Aquaman because, like, you know, you got Black Manta, you got Ocean Master, but Ocean Master is like just uh, I don't know. At least Black Manta, while he's to me, he's not necessarily the coolest villain, but. He, at least with his big old helmet and the glowing red eyes, you know, he, he can be a little, kind of intimidating or whatever, but o- ocean master, I just, he's just such a dork. Um, Blue and gold issue six. So we have this queen from this other you know planet. She's claiming that her people have claimed earth like years and years, you know, thousands of years ago as part of their empire. And so she's saying that, you know, she's the queen of the earth or whatever. So and Booster and and uh, Beetle they they've been taken and now it's at the point where they're like okay you two must fight to the death and the winner gets to be part of her harem and and stuff like that and they're like no we're not gonna fight but then one one I won't say who one of them gets like mind control to fight the other and meanwhile we have Rip Hunter you know he's he's trying to figure out you know how he can help and and you know it's it's back to you know with Rip being secretly booster's son, which is kind of interesting. Cause I don't know if that's like something that was revealed within the last 10, 20 years. I'm, I'm trying to think about when I first read about it, but like 10, 15 years. So I, I like that idea. And the fact that I don't think booster did booster ever find out. Cause you know, he wasn't supposed to know. And you know, I'm, I'm really curious about rip hunters role now, you know, as, as this, I don't think they're calling him a time lord I forget what they're calling him but it's it's interesting like what is his role now and and you know does he have any responsibilities you know can he go about time or is he you know being monitored in any way and the fact that you know he he says like you know no one can know about his his parents or because then that puts them at risk because then his enemies might go after them to try to stop Rip uh, and then there's a, there's a question of who is Rip's mom, and I don't know if that's something I I, I should look it up. I mean, maybe we know. Uh, I'm wondering if it's I forget her name, this, the lady that's uh, also in this issue that, that knows Booster. So i I feel like she's his mom, but you know she doesn't know it. We'll see. Um, DC versus Vampire issue five. I love this comic so much, and it, it's it's so bizarre. I'm not a big fan of these like out of con. I mean, let's, there's something to say about the out of continuity. You know, I, I would rather the book. You know, I I want to know where the book stands. You know that St- stupid continuity is such a distraction for me. You know, I I'm i really need to know if you're gonna say this book is out of continuity. Just just make it clear. Don't be vague about it. And you know, because even like like last week's Supergirl, whatever, whatever, I forget what that book's called. Is that in continuity? I mean, it, it could be. You know, it, it it makes sense, even though parts of it kind of don't really feel like it could be. You know, her behavior in some ways, but anyways, with a uh, DC versus vampire, clearly out of continuity. The nice thing about that is anything goes. You know, we're we're talking heroes being turned, heroes and villains being turned into literal vampires, and you know, people getting killed and and by being out of continuity, you can do all that. So it it kind of gives a, a little little free free reign there. But James Tynion IV and Matthew Rosenberg, you know, they're doing an awesome job here, and we have Otto Schmidt. I just, I love Otto Schmidt's art and colors. It's just there's something about it, just the way he depicts each of the characters, makes it look so easy, and it's just, it just flows on a page. And I just, I just really, really dig this this story, and it's, I'm, just, I'm just so surprised to me, because you know, we had Batman Black Rain. It's like, oh, you know, Batman is a vampire. That's cool, and it, you know, it was cool. So then when it's like, oh, DC versus vampire, it's like, is this supposed to be like, you know, deceased or, you know, Marvel zombies? You know, it's like, here we go again. But there's something about it where maybe it's not necessarily the freshest concept, you know, to, to vampirize is that even a word <laughs> to turn characters into that. Va- but it's 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 working. I don't know. There's something about it, and I, I'm just digging this 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 comic so much. It's so much to the point when so this is a twelve issue series, and I and I'm c- kind of hoping that they're going to do a, a nice sweet hardcover when this is over because I kind of want to get the hardcover cover. I haven't really. I think the last hardcover I got was Three Jokers, but that's that's what it is. It's like it has to be something like really cool, and then I'll I'll, I'll definitely pick it up even though I'm mainly re-digital these days. But I, I just really, there's something about it. Then we have Deathstroke Inc. Issue 6. So Deathstroke is, is trying to take the, the over this, uh, what was it, Did they trust? I forget what the organization was called now. He's like going to be leading these villains, and you know, he's talking to Black Canary about you know, writing the line between good and and bad. You know, he's tried both and he's not really sure what he wants to do and everything like that. Um, I will say there's one thing, there's one character that pops up here that might be a spoiler from another book that's also out this book. I mean, not, not it's not a spoiler for the issue that comes out this week, but for a character that appears in an this other book related, possibly related to Deathstroke. It it seems like, Hmm. So I, I won't spoil that in case you're reading it or not reading it yet, or soon to be reading it. I don't know how I feel about this, you know, new direction for Deathstroke, you know, so he's going to have this team. What is he going to do with it? And, and the fact that, you know, there's there's one, I, I don't even know who it was, one villain. He's like, you can't do this, whatever. And then he's just like, just shoots him in the head it's just like no this is the organ- this is what we're going to do and i'm going to give these orders and if you don't like it i'm going to sh- i'm going to kill you <laughs> So it's just like cuz i think he killed calculator it's like I, I almost feel like i need to go back and reread that because you know calculator was on this this team or board or you know whatever council of, of villains and i think he like did away with them but is uh, anyone ever really dead is uh, you know the the big big thing um, Harley Quinn issue 12 came out. I, I passed. I didn't check that out. Robin issue 11. So there's more about the Al Ghoul family squabble. You know, So we have uh, Raish Al Ghoul's here, Talia Al Ghul, Damien, and then uh, Damien's grandma, great-grandma. Uh, and it's a, more like the aftermath of the League of Lazarus. But the big kicker is... The last page, and I I don't want to spoil that, but Damien... I mean, if if you think about what has been happening here, and you know, because part there are, are some like um, there is some connections like Task Force Z, even cause, you know, because they're talking about the the last basically Talia and and Raish. They're they're trying to take back control of the Lazarus pits because they're you know they they want to keep control of it because they're selfish or whatever, and it's been leaking out you know with the whole Lazarus resin stuff that we've seen in in task force z so you know they're they're trying to shut off that Lazarus drug trafficking whatever so let's just say at the end Damien is pondering a certain decision and well I don't necessarily approve or you know I don't know if it I don't see how it could necessarily work but part of me is like I don't care I hope it does work so we'll we'll see what's gonna happen next issue. Hopefully it'll it'll pick up in issue twelve and, and we'll get you know some some answers about that. Task force Z. So Jason Todd has been like recruited to kind of lead this team kind of like a new task force task force X, but the team that he's leading are all dead villains that have been reanimated with this Lazarus resin stuff. So that's just kind of weird. And one of the, the big question I have is because Bane was here because you know Bane was stupidly killed. But we've seen spoiler. We've seen Bane. I don't know if it was he's on the cover or anything like that. But Bane has popped up in Joker. So it's like, wait, how can Bane be in Joker and seemingly alive and not like zombified? So I don't know if maybe you get enough enough of the, the Lazarus resin, you can completely co- re- you know go back human. Because then also spoiler, I don't know if he's undercover. Um, we had like Deadshot appeared as as a as a zombie. There's there's some crazy things going on here. But what Jason found out is he may not necessarily be working for you know he found out who he's working for, and it, you know it's it's. He, his the mysterious leader of this isn't mi- necessarily someone that you could trust you, know, you could say that you know maybe they're kind of like a, a two-faced character where you know you can't really tell if they're gonna be good or bad wink wink <laughs> uh so but and then it turns out that Amanda Waller has ugh, Amanda Waller you know she's has her own and she has like friggin kg beast like work doing her dirty work or whatever and the One of the things that bothers me is uh, like you know Jason's like captured Jason and one of the others I won't say who and and she's just calling him Jason or something like that and KGB was like oh is Jason is that your name and blah 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 <laughs> it's just I don't like the I don't like people knowing his identity because I I feel like it, it while while Amanda probably knows everything you you can't just like be so casual about it because Jason Todd can be traced back to Bruce Wayne which you know I don't know so. But there's definitely some, some weird things going on there. So I don't know what's gonna I, I and I, I feel like this this is something that this series can't it has to come to an end soon. You know, especially if the Lazarus resin is being cut off and I don't know. But unless they develop like some new sort of, you know thing, which there's been kind of talks of that. Teen Titans Academy issue twelve. So here we find out who Red, Red X is. Last month, the cover said it was revealed, which I'm pretty sure it wasn't. And the big revelation here... Wah, wah, wah. You know, to be, be honest, I read this... When did I read this comic? Like, uh, I'm trying to think what day is it. Like maybe three days ago. Three or four days ago. Three days ago. And I, I honestly can't even remember Red X's identity. Because then there's kind of more to it, and we, we get more answers, but... Oh, I don't know and the this kind of silly thing is you know we have this whole teen Titans academy which I'm I'm haven't been crazy about this this whole concept it gets like destroyed the Titans tower gets destroyed and that's always been the weird thing about the Titans Tower is you know for one you're making it in the shape of a giant T it's like why not add you know like a giant target on it as as well because you're basically telling all the bad guys where you're at, and the idea that you're going to have this academy for kids to learn, you know, how to use their powers or whatever like that, but you're putting them at risk just by gathering them all up there. At least with, with like the Xavier Institute, whatever it, it was in the guise of a regular school. And it wasn't super obvious. Yeah, people eventually were starting to figure out that Professor X was really a telepath or whatever. But for the most part, everyone thought it was just like a a hoity-toity private school. And kids were safe, somewhat safe there. Every once in a while, the school got attacked, but it wasn't that often. Like this, it's a friggin' giant glass T-shaped building. So are they going to (laughs) rebuild? and it's like at least get like a forest field or something get a giant fence or, or i don't know do something some trees around the place Some people gigantic trees i don't know uh then we have a human target issue five i it's you know if it wasn't for the art i love uh greg smallwood's art it's just it's just amazing the whole idea here so human target uh he's he's dying he got poisoned. the poison was meant for lex luther And so now human target is dying. It's like this slow that there's like no cure. And I think, I think he might only have like five days left or something like that. And he's trying to figure out who killed him or, you know, who was trying to kill Lex. And he's been hanging out with, with ice from, you know, justice league international. And that whole thing is weird because she's, she's like so into him or whatever. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like they just met and then she's just like all over human target is uh, is is he is he like a super good looking guy you know he's a little older he's got the graying temples is that something you know whatever but it just seems like i i don't know is like is it really her and then then we get these like these weird scenes where you know because like they're lying in bed and then it shifts where it's like someone else like you know a spoiler like martian manhunter is instead of uh christopher chant instead of human target but then there's someone else instead of i it's what so there's just definitely something going on (laughs) it's just just weird but it's also you know we we see a little bit of uh human target like as a kid like kind of like turning point for him you know like something happened to his dad and so that, that was interesting but overall it's like where is this going and um I'm assuming he's gonna get saved at the end. If not, you know how I feel about deaths, and I will. I'll. I'll save. I'll save that for if it actually happens. I'm not gonna pre preemptively whatever get you know go off about comic book deaths because there's no point right now. <laughs> Refrigerator full of heads issue four. I loved a bag basket full of heads. That that was such a fun and strange book. This one it just. Feels like it's been more over the top, and and maybe you know when we had a, a giant severed animated shark head that's still alive, because so basically you know if you get your head chopped off with this magic mystical axe or whatever, it stays alive. But when you have one biker dude's head somehow managing to travel cross not, not, not even cross country, but travel like quite a bit to get to this office with you know just a head rolling and it's, it's just seems silly with animals trying to take it and <laughs> so we're, we're kind of getting more and it's there's been you know some a couple interesting twists and everything but it's just it's not quite doing it for me so i don't know uh what, what else do we have uh Catwoman is she forty? This I I actually was reading this, you know. So I I've, I've been on the fence with with Catwoman, where you know I've been wanting to like it, but it hasn't quite been been working for me. But this was I I did enjoy this, and um you know there's just just I I forgot the dude that's just like working helping her, even though she doesn't want help. But she's you know taking on Black Mask and it's like the the under underworld and you know some some criminal dudes and everything like that. So, it's kind of interesting, you know, not not necessarily like my absolute all-time, ultimate favorite Catwoman story. But, you know, it was interesting and, and I just liked... I like how the story and everything just all flowed together. So, I mean, it, it's something about it worked for me. And then, uh, there's some other stuff at DC, but that's all I read at DC. At Marvel, so we had another Spider-Man, right? Uh, because... You know, we have Spider Man like almost every week. So Amazing Spider Man issue ninety. Uh this is a, a beyond book. And I'm I'm getting I think I mentioned it last week. I'm getting a little little nervous about you know what's gonna happen to Ben Riley. And you know, we, we do see him here, you know, he he left the, the Daily Bugle got attacked by this queen goblin and he just saves Janine and takes off. And he's just like, yeah, there's other people there, whatever. And and I think Janine's even like, there's you got to save them. That's you know what you do. And he's like, no. But maybe in his defense, you know, he's talking about like how some of his memories have been taken. You know, because Beyond has had what's her name, Doctor Kafka, had you know maybe do some. You know, maybe something has been done to him. So maybe he's not as hero heroic because of that. Which that's stupid. But I don't know. And, is, and Spider-Man is, is, you know, so he's fighting Queen Goblin. And and it's funny, he actually makes a reference to Goblin Queen. He's like, I think the X-Men have a scarier queen, you know, whatever. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're fighting. And then um, are Ben and Peter, you know, are they going to team up? Are they going to fight each other? What's going to happen? So I don't know where this is going to go, but I feel like things are going to go bad for Ben and at the end of this, and I, I'm I'm just worried that I'm going to be like really ticked off by like the the press release that came out like two weeks ago. So we'll see. Then we have Ben Riley Spider Man issue two. So this is J M Dematteis and David Baldian. So this is kind of like a flashback uh, back when Peter and Mary Jane went to Oregon, and I think this is when Ben thought that he was the real one and Peter was a clone. I don't know if they, I forget what they said in the last issue. But he's on Earth, or not Earth. (laughs) He's in New York City. Oh, my goodness, on Earth. Didn't I just like start this podcast not that long ago? Oh, man. But then like what happened in the last issue, like Scorpion attacks his apartment and is like, wait, how does Scorpion know that Ben Riley is... Spider Man or Scarlet Spider, you know, it's basically we think it's Spider Man here, and you know, there's been no mention of it after. It's like, wait, what? Because the whole thing, and this is what what's what's concerning me about like with the Beyond stuff is like like everyone knows that Ben Riley is this other Spider Man. I just think that that's I, I I don't know I I don't like that. And while Ben Riley is different than Peter Parker, and maybe maybe that protects Peter Parker's. No, but they they know then there's another Spider-Man out there. So if they can put two and two together, people may not know that Ben and Peter were like brothers for a time before he was stupidly killed by Green Goblin and turned to dust way back when. But I don't think people should see his face because I I also think if people kind of figure it out, it's like, hey, Ben, you look just like Peter Parker, but you have blonde hair. I mean, I think while on paper, changing the hair makes a, a big difference, but... If if like I dyed my hair blonde, everyone they'd be like Tony, what the heck are you doing? And but they would know it me. It was me. I, it wouldn't be like like Hey, who are you? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I just I'm trying to imagine myself with blonde hair. I don't know if I can do it. I, don't, I mean I don't know if I can imagine it. I definitely I couldn't do it. Oh, the Tony Riley, <laughs> the G-Man from from the. Glorielle or whatever I don't know Black Widow issue 14 uh, I love this book it feels like when was the last issue let me look this up so the last issue came out January 5th okay so it's been a little over a month it feels like it's been longer maybe it's just having withdrawals or whatever I just can I just say how awesome Kelly Thompson is as a writer I, I just love her, her her writing I like pretty much everything she does and uh I know she got a lot of flack for a while and I, I hope that that's over with that the, the dude bros whatever just just like get over it whatever. She's an awesome writer and if if people have a problem with it because she's a woman writer who's like kicking ass writing really good superhero comics, who cares? I mean that I should applaud that. I mean that, that's awesome. I I just I I think she's just, I just love what what she's doing, and I love this book. And I, I love Black Widow. I, I I just think it's it's really good. The art, Elena Casagrande, is is just really good. What I don't like is this living blade dude, and what I don't like about him because he's he's kind of a formidable formidable, formidable <laughs> villain, and I don't like that I had to say formidable, and I'm having a hard time saying formidable. formidable. He's a formidable villain. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Black Widow's trying to, because they're, they're in the middle of this mission at this like ball gala thing or whatever, and things aren't going so well. And then you got this living weapon, living blade. Did I say living weapon? Living blade. Last time, you know, last issue we had like the flashback where she first fought him, and, and she barely ma- managed that. And she's just like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to survive this dude. And um, oh, that last page. Um, that, that's all I'm gonna say. A Captain Marvel, which is also written by Kelly Thompson, but I will admit, while I do highly like this, this series, I'm just okay with this story arc. I don't, like, I'm not so passionately in love with it like I might be with, with Black Widow, but I, I do enjoy this, and it is interesting with this, uh, with this Last of Marvels. So we had this this Vox Supreme, and I think that's the problem, is like, I don't care for Vox Supreme, and... I guess maybe i part of the reason i don't like i'm i'm starting to get to the point where i i'm not liking characters because they're they're not nice people they're they're causing problems for like our 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 favorite characters or whatever. So he's done some some poopy things <laughs> in the past and he's doing more poopy things. So it's just like man dude you need a major long time out and so he's just doing all this crazy stuff and and basically abducting People sort of related to like the Marvels, you know, like like Kamala and and you know whatever, and kind of controlling them with this like suit thing and yeah, so that's not not very nice. But the the weird thing is, you know, like who's who's this binary character and you know it's like this energy blast energy um from Carol it kind of became sentient and it's like like what's up with that? How is that even possible? And I wonder. I I saw in, I don't know if I mentioned it in the delightful Facebook news section where there's like all these, like uh, not all these, but there's these few of these websites, news outlets that are just there. It's like, they're just writing articles because they're just so angry and hateful about stuff. So there is this art, you know, I, I still don't understand the whole hate towards Captain Marvel or, or Brie Larson I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the character. I, I like the character. I've, I've liked, you know, Carol Danvers for a long time, you know, since she was Ms. Marvel. And, you know, I, I there's always been, you know, something kind of interesting about her, you know, not like my all-time favorite character, but I've always liked her. And, and you know, her move, moving up to being Captain Marvel, you know, it's been cool and everything. So what am I even, where am I going with? Oh, so <laughs> there's this article about how, I I, be, I didn't click on an article. I refused to click on the clickbaity hate article, but it was basically saying something how Marvel Marvel Studios maybe or I don't know if they just said Marvel because you can't say Marvel Studios because it has nothing to do with Marvel Studios. But by saying Marvel, people will assume they mean Marvel Studios. That Marvel is trying to get rid of, trying to bench Captain Marvel by bringing back Binary. It's like. Uh, no, they're two completely separate characters. One is like an energy being, and the other is like the actual person. So that just it seems so stupid to try to do this. And I mean, maybe it, it works for them. Maybe, you know, maybe people click on it and they're like, "Yo, yeah, they should do this." You know, get rid of Captain Marvel because, bleh, you know, <laughs> it just is like there's so many of these these articles. Like I saw this other article um, headline. It's like Marvel releases Ghost Rider trailer. So when when you see that, you're like, wait, what? There's gonna be Marvel's doing a Ghostwriter movie or TV show or something. I gotta click on this because you know there's been rumors about Norman Reedus being. I think those are still rumors. I, mean, I don't think there's ever been anything like that. So if you see that headline, even if it has like comic art as a thumbnail, you see like Marvel, you know, Ghostwriter trailer, you're gonna want to click on it. But no, it was a trailer for the Ghostwriter comic, which I'm gonna talk about in a little bit they were sometimes Marvel comics releases trailers for their books. Anyways, I'm enjoying Captain Marvel. (laughs) So you should be reading Captain Marvel issue 36. You know, how many books get into the thirties and it's good that, you know, this is happening. Carnage forever. I hate carnage. I actually flipped through this book. Uh, I was like, I was like, I'm not even gonna get this book. I don't even look. I stupidly did it. And it's just, i hate carnage i can't stand him who do i hate the most i don't know if carnage is is the most but i just cannot stand his character oh man i just just go away and at at least cletus cassidy is sort of gone but his his dna or codex or whatever friggin dark ages issue five um, so this, this is a, I feel like this falls into, you know, this is Tom Taylor. So Tom Taylor's also doing the, the Knights book at DC, which is, you know, out of continuity, you know, things are, are different. I feel like this is kind of related to that and, you know, sort of related to like DC versus vampire, even though that's not Tom Taylor. So along with these out of continuities where these could be really cool, just to really explore different things. I am not loving this. I mean, it is interesting seeing the heroes. Forced to live in a world where there is no technology, and you know, try to survive. And then you know, now you know, Dark Side—not Dark Side—Apocalypse is is doing a bunch of evil shenanigans, and you know, can they stop him and all this stuff like that? So there's some some cool moments and all that, but it's just I don't know. And um, let's just say Nick Fury Jr. gets majorly, majorly injured, and they're like. Oh, he's fought so long and everything. It's like, has he really It's, it's like, yeah, I get that this, you know, time has has there has there's been some time passage, you know, cuz Mary Jane and Peter have a daughter who seems like she's older than than a Luke and Jessica Jones' daughter Danny. It's like, how can that that be when, you know, they've had like a 1-year-old daughter, toddler for like years now? Uh, anyways so it's like uh nick fury jr hasn't been doing that he hasn't been around that long it's like come on it's like it's almost like has danny cage been around longer than luke cage jr hmm i'm not gonna look that up but um we get deadpool in here also <laughs> and and things don't go too well oh speaking of um Speaking of... oh, Okay, there, oh, I almost forgot. There's like this big... The, the, spoiler, we do get carnage here. But it's not just carnage. It's carnage and venom on the same person. So there's like this massive symbiote thing. It's like attacking. Attacks like devil dinosaurs. Like, oh man, they're screwed. How are they going to survive this? But then the big kicker is like, wait, who is this person underneath there? And we do find out. And I, I think that's someone... That people would want to know. There's a lot of people that really, really like this character. Hint, hint. Um, so you have that. <laughs> a Devil's Reign, villains for hire, issue two. Stupid Wilson Fisk, <laughs> his mayor Fisk. Uh, he's superheroes are banned. No superheroes allowed in New York City. But I'm gonna employ this team of. Of deadly criminal super powered villains, they're gonna act as a police, and and there is even a point where <laughs> there's there's like some some couple of jokers, it's a couple not jokers because it's not DC, a couple of dorks like robbing a jewelry store. So the Thunderbolts break it up, and they're like, oh, I want to steal some, you know, Electro's like, oh, I'm gonna take this for myself. It's like, <sighs> but anyway, so we we have a U.S. agent he's like he came in he wants to you know join up which is like wait what he's not a villain he claims that he you know he wants to he because like he talks solo with fisk and he's like why should i you know listen to you why should i have you on a team and he's like because i didn't vote for you and he basically he's saying that you know while he's employing these questionable you know people villains. That at some point they're they're gonna cross the line, so he is gonna be there to keep them in line. So it's it's a good idea, you know, if you think about it for for Fisk, where he's he's got these unstable ticking time bombs. So why not get someone that can can deal with them? What I don't like is when he's goes up to him and they're like, "Oh, who are you? Why are we gonna listen to you?" He like basically puts them all in their place, including Taskmaster. He just like. I keep hitting my iPad. He just like knocks, they're like, he mops the floor with them all. It's like, okay, come on. We, we've we seen Taskmaster like kicking everyone's butt like in the past couple months and maybe he's just tired, right? Then we have Electra, black, white, and red issue two. I just kind of flipped through this and um, it, it, I it just, it wasn't holding my interest. And, you know, I, I like the idea of, you know, highlight. Le- I feel like these, these books, I hate to say it, but I feel like it highlights more the art than it does the story. And, you know, so it's cool to see like the black and white with the hint of red, you know, as, as we have these this theme going on. But I was like starting to read it. And I just I was like, yeah, I don't feel like reading it. <laughs> Ghost Rider issue one. As I was reading this, I'm like, what the heck is going on? So uh, Benjamin Percy and Corey Smith. So it's like Johnny Blaze. I'm trying. OK, he was just recently like the k- king of hell for the longest time when you know he defeated Mephisto. Mephisto's locked up. In like a casino in like hell, hell Las Vegas or something like that. And now it's like, wait, he's he's back to normal. He's free, and he's with his wife and his kids. And I was like, wait, his kids are still little. Like, how how old are his kids? Because he's had kids for like the longest time. And I feel like that they've allowed them to age a little bit, but they seem like really young too. So like, okay, that's cool. He's back there, and it's like, wait, he got in an accident. He's got this big scar in his head. So is he having like memory issues? Like what's going on? He's, he's trying, you know, he's seeing a therapist. So maybe he's trying to keep ghost rider locked up, but you know, then he keeps seeing like these, you know, just dog next door is like, it's yapping at him. And then, you know, he looks again and it's like this demon hell beast or something like that. So, you know, he's just trying to deal with having like these anger outbursts. that so he's trying to keep in check and, you you know just trying maybe fighting the ghost rider thing but it's just like wait how where, where are they even staying and and uh then things really start getting crazy so it was um for fish issue is okay and while it's johnny blaze ghost rider you know the classic you know we, sh- we should you know all praise him or whatever i still feel like i'm more of a, a, a danny Ketch. Ghost Rider, just because he was so prominent in the '90s, even though he's whatever he's doing now, he—I can't remember his what he just new new persona guys that he he took on. But I—I I was I've never been like the, the hugest Ghost Rider fan. So, but I'll, I'll see where where this goes. Iron Man issue 17. Oh my gosh, is Tony Stark is so friggin annoying here? So after stupid Korvac space forever story arc he's back on earth he's got the powers of a god so he's like oh i'm gonna make everyone as smart as me Bling! everyone's smart so they're doing all this stuff and it's causing all this chaos and everything like that you know all these people are like like oh i can invent all this stuff because now i'm really smart i still think the funniest thing is reed richard's is like i feel like i just got dumped like my iq just dropped <laughs> i forgot exactly how i said it but it was, it was so funny that Tony Stark made Reed Richards dumber because <laughs> he made him as smart as him. Uh, so all these people are doing all this stuff, and it's just it's just really getting out of hand. But then when you look at all, what all these people are doing, it's like, well, how come Tony Stark didn't do all this stuff? You know, like like one thing, some dude, a plumber, someone, or I don't remember what it was, figured out a way to make like a renewable energy source out of a, you know garbage in a landfill and just all this different things where. Was it you know Tony Stark's too busy trying to play a hero and instead of saving the world, so he's just gonna do all the stuff just to get the glory and the fame and I don't know. But then like some of you are like like man, Tony's got to be stopped. This is this isn't right. So some of his friends are like trying to work you know behind his back to to try to rein rein him back in. And uh, so it's like you know we have like Hellcat and and. uh war machine and the, the people that he's been hanging out with that frog dude and whatever. And, you know, they get Dr. Doom to gets, cause you know, he's super smart and cause they, they, they can't go to Reed Richards cause he's not, cause basically Tony Stark would, if, if like Reed came up with a plan, Tony would be able to figure out where, what's going to happen because they're the same intelligence now. So they bring in Doctor Doom, and then they're gonna, you know, also have the advantage of using some sorcery to to kind of, you know, work around his abilities and stuff. But then when when Tony finds out, he starts starts he literally starts killing people, like like no joke, like characters are dead because of of him. So it's like okay, Tony, this is the end of Iron Man, right? Just it's you, you can't can't come back from that. There's no way. Although he's got the powers of God, I guess so. Can you bring him back? But man, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Issue 35. Miles and his his uh, clone. What's his clone's name? Um, Blurg, um, Surge or Shift. That's <laughs> they're fighting this Assessor dude. You know the this is the the thing that like kidnapped him and did all these horrific tests on him and then cloned him and everything like that. And uh, so the bad thing is it looks like this is like part of beyond corporation is maybe it's a different division. Cause it, it doesn't quite feel like, you know, there's like what they're doing here. doesn't quite feel in the same level as what we're seeing in like amazing Spider-Man with like Maxine and, and all that. But you know, it, it could be with, with their involvement in the queen goblin <laughs> and you know, maybe there, there's something to be said here, but towards the end uh, miles and and shift they find this like a uh, dimensional like portal thing and um spoiler he's like that's my uncle aaron he's still alive it's like uh, is he really you you know you know you're looking at different dimensions you know that there's like alternate earths parallel earths where that could be you know, f- plus the fact that you're from a parallel earth but it's like just because you see your Uncle Aaron doesn't mean it's actually your Uncle Aaron who seemingly disappeared or, or died, you know, however long ago. So he's like, well, I'm going to, you know, he's like, Peter and Ben, they can deal with all this facility here. I'm going to go after my uncle. Never mind the fact that the horrific things that that place is doing and what that represents. And there's like one dude who's like, I've been a prisoner here for two years doing what they said, but he's going to go after someone who might be. And then maybe it's, it's just like, you know, maybe it's it's his name is not Aaron, but Uncle Jaron. I don't know. It's like it doesn't necessarily mean it's your uncle. It could be some alternate, parallel Earth version who is content with what he's doing. Miles, getting you get rid of your costume. Go back to your other one. Um, Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit Issue Three. So. <laughs> angry tony strikes again here okay so there's this as a summary says ms marvel has a doppelganger so there's this uh this t- teenage girl named Quarin quaran and she's saying that she, you know, she's from this other world and her world was destroyed somehow she ended up there she's not really sure what's going on so she started she took on the appearance of ms marvel why is she doing all these bad things then you know and is is looking for she's confused and scared but she's doing questionable things and they all talk to her like ms marvel and her her friends and then they're like feeling bad for her. they're like oh you know maybe you just you need a place to stay do you need a phone what the heck would she need a phone for she doesn't know anyone there. She's from another world that was destroyed or whatever. So she's she's lost and confused. But what, what does she have a phone for? Is she going to like play solitaire on her phone or words with friends? She has no friends. She can't even play words with friends. <laughs> they're all gone. So then they're like, oh, you can stay with Kamala. And she's like, What? It, you know, it's like Kamala's parents don't know that she's Ms. Marvels, but they're like, "Well, she has superpowers too, so you can help her." And uh, and then in the morning, Quarn Quarn wakes up early, and she Ms. Kamala wakes up. She's like, "Oh, she's gone." And she's like, "Hey, mom, what's for breakfast?" She's like, "You're hungry again? I just gave you breakfast." So she changed again into Kamala and ate her breakfast, and then went hung out hung out with her friends. And then yeah, stuff happens at the end. It's just like, <laughs> what's going on? Phoenix song, Echo issue five. I didn't really care for this. Uh, I you know I was interested, in, and with like each issue, I'm just like losing interest more and more. And and the whole idea is because like, I think yeah, that's the other the adversary. You know, Forge's enemy from the X Men. I never cared for him. And, you know, he his involvement, and then in like uh, Echoes. Ancestor, you know her. Her mom, her parents never met. I think her didn't her mom get killed before she met her dad. So it's like, wait, how is she still able to do anything? And just makes no sense. And then someone else, and oh, I, I, just, why? I don't understand why make Echo. What, I don't understand how Echo is a phoenix because I always thought it was someone that has to be telepathic. That's, a, I mean, maybe not, but. I mean, if they made Wolverine Phoenix in the future somehow, like whatever. And where's Wolverine's hot claws? I still want to know. It has nothing to do with this. But Echo, I just, I just don't understand why Echo the Phoenix and and then that where this it ends it's like okay, make me some tea or something in the morning and it makes no sense. Shang Chi issue nine. Um, I'm I'm okay. I I guess I'm not super crazy about Shang Chi and all this family drama that he has. So stuff with his dad and his evil dad, you know, his evil dad and his mom. His mom's taken by his evil dad and attacking, and he's got his siblings. Um, the only thing that that's really doing it for me in this issue is Marcus To is doing the art now. I love Marcus Toe's art, but I'm just I'm just a little tired with this whole group thing, you know, that Shang Chi. Is trying to take over and just it's okay because you know, we're, we're at issue nine and it's it's still him just dealing with this. It's like, I want to see something more. I don't know what I'd want Shang-Chi taken on, but but now he's just dealing with his dad. It's just like, eh, it's enough. Silk issue two, uh, this this is okay. I, I like uh, the art, Takeshi Miyazawa, I love his art, and um, there, there's with this, uh, there's this like. Korean witch at this museum that kind of came to life is like doing this stuff like that, so you know there there's a evilness happening there and um the the weird thing though is so cindy Cindy moon you know, she's working with jay Jonah Jameson at his uh oh what is this thing called now um I don't remember it's it's not the Daily Bugle, but it's like some other news outlet thing. And it's like he's obsessed with Silk. (laughs) You know, he's like, get, get, you know, get some uh, lead on a story or something about Silk. It's like, because I think Silk saved him, but it's like, what happened to him being like Spider Man's number one fan once he found out, you know, Peter was Spider Man? And it's like, he doesn't care. It's like, there's been nothing. He hasn't even called Peter to see if he's okay since he's been in the hospital. And you would think he'd be calling Ben a menace because he knows that's not Spider Man. Jake Jonah, you're. You're crazy. <laughs> um, Silver Surfer issue two. I forget if this is um, taking place like back in time. I don't think it's like current. I don't know if they mentioned that in the first issue, but it's uh, Ron Mars and Ron Lim. So I mean that just it, it takes me back. You know, I just I remember when I first started. You know, collecting uh, Silver Surfer comics when when these guys were were doing it. And I didn't know a whole lot about Silver Surfer, but the combination of the two—the writing and the art—I mean, it just sold me. And then, you know, this, then, you know, we eventually, very shortly after I start, you know, started reading, then, you know, we had like Infinity Gauntlet and all, just like Infinity Watch, and just, just Ron Lim's art is just, it's just, it's up there, man. It's, it's like the epic, like superhero art and uh, it's just we got thanos in here silver surfer and thanos and it's like they're fighting but they're like they have to work together and who else is involved and wh- what's that a reality gem like what's going on here and so it's it's just it it's really cool because you know it's taking me back and it it's it's fun and exciting you know so it even though it's taken place back then it still you know has that, that interest and excitement so it doesn't just feel like a nostalgic rehash it's it feels like it's work because like someone like the the x-men was the x-men legends whatever you know some of those stories are cool when it goes back into the old era and that like, continues a story that we didn't see but some of them are just like it it kind of feels dated even though it's written now but this doesn't feel dated strange academy issue 16 Things are, they're still hanging in there. You know, they're, they're trying to limit the use of magic because, you know, everything's like kind of shaken up with the death of Doctor Strange and all that. They're going to have their winter formal and, you know, they're, they're kind of pro- trying to get the students not to use magic and stuff like that. But then we have a stupid Calvin I ah, can't stand this character. So poor Calvin, he doesn't have magic anymore, whatever. So he's he's been working with that, what's the dude's name? The evil dude. Basically, he's like selling drugs. He's selling magic. And, you know, because he he's trying to learn magic, but, oh, it's so hard and everything like that. So he makes a wish with this dude to learn magic, and then he's being all arrogant and stupid about it because he's like ch- basically cheating against the others, like in class and, and stuff. But then, you know, he goes back for more and, and the, the dude he's like, "Whoa, well, maybe you can give this to your friends. And it's it's just like it's it's literally drugs. So like give your friends a free taste, you know, where they can make a wish or do whatever, and then you start charging them. So he's basically just being a, a shady drug dealer. And it's like you're just a stupid kid. And he get thank goodness, gets busted. Uh, doctor, mr doctor brother voodoo whatever he's like well, what are you doing <laughs> it's like stupid Calvin and uh he's like well it's not my fault he's like you you know you guys showed me the swirl and then you took it away you know and, and now I'm bleh. it's like get over it <sighs> stupid calvin <laughs> where am I at strange academy uh <laughs> X deaths of Wolverine issue 3. And here's a weird thing. So, you know, I've, I've been so confused with this series because I feel as I'm, I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm like, wait, am I reading am I reading two different books and I think I'm reading the same book? Because we, we get more Moira here. There is, actually, we get both. Actually, no, there's no Omega Red in, in this one. So, like, there's got to be another book, right? What's the other one? This is X X deaths of Wolverine, issue three. I feel like I've been reading all these other books. The stupid... Wolverine traveling through time when the wig red. It's like what is that? Not this book. I don't think it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it, But here, we have this uh this Falnix techno Wolverine. He's like doing some stuff, and and then uh, Moira does show up, and what it is is this Wolverine is like from the future, so he's trying to prevent something and. And I think he's trying to stop Moira, so Moira knows that because he's coming after him, that means that what she's going to do works. And the whole there's just a lot of like weird confusion, conf- not not super confusing, but just a lot, a lot of weird things going on. So not only does she have Mystique and Destiny like after now, she's got this this techno Wolverine coming after her, and uh, so you know. She, uh the, the other like professor x finds out there's like there's this techno wolverine so let's get you know laura you know the other wolverine and and to to hunt him down and and gabby's you know scout she wants to help and then they get ducked so I, I i enjoyed this issue even though i've been like super crazy about the story arc but yeah so it's like i i don't know now i'm not really sure like what is doing if if it's good or not but we'll we'll find out um, but we won't find out anything else this week because that is it for comics this week. Okay, with Snowpiercer season three, episode five, "A New Life," Zara narrates. She's talking to her unborn daughter. She's a, uh, you know, it's she's saying how she's not just her daughter; she's a future. Nurse. Then we see like some flashes of giving birth, so it's like, uh-oh, something bad can happen. And she like writes a letter, I think, to her daughter. She puts like a necklace and a card and an envelope, whatever. And we see Leighton going to check something. There's this little fire in a can. And it's like, wait, was this a trap? There's this other explosion. He gets knocked out. So something's going to happen to him, right? And she mentioned Snowpiercer, 1,029 cars long. So then it cuts to 12 hours earlier. So that's really not good. Something bad's going to happen. Laytons are talking about uh, this new tradition or something like that. You know, I guess um, people put names on a tree of loved ones or something like that. When the baby's born, they'll pick a name or something like that. Um, and then he mentions like the old tradition was used to be that they would name them after the nearest city and they say this to to, to Winnie because her, her name is really Winnipeg or something like that the the girl that does like all the running for, for everyone so Alex is still sitting next to Wilfred in the hospital in his bed or whatever and you know she wipes his mouth he has like this inky stuff from I guess the injection whatever I don't, I don't understand how just one little vial of something is causing the stuff to, to spit up she hears some arguments outside. Audrey says, she's like, well, I deserve to see him. And this other, like, you're restricted to third class, whatever. You're banned from the night car, whatever. Then she sees Alex. She's like, is he awake? And she's like, I know what the suspension drug can do, and he needs me. And Alex's like, he really doesn't. <laughs> but then it's like, is Wilford, like, dreaming, you know, seeing all the bad stuff that he's done? or well, Who knows? Josie's getting examined by, like, the crazy doctor um she's like poking her back with different needles to test her sensitivity and like it turns out there's like a new area where she's starting to get feeling but then they're like has it shifted or something like that because she's like well my my whole right leg is still numb so you know she's not sure what's going on you know the whole cold treatment thing that they did to her till comes by um leighton and zara then uh zara starts having some pain and her water breaks so someone calls a doctor she tells um Doctor tells Joe, she's like, okay, off you go. You know, got to get ready for this. They make their way to the lab. You know, they're like clear plath, and like Winnie's like running, she's like, baby days, baby days. She's all excited. And Leighton wants to know why the baby's three weeks early, whatever. And you know, he's so he's still mad about like the genetic, you know, modification, everything like that. When they finally get to the, the crazy doctor's place, Ruth gets to rest in her hospitality outfit. Um, this dude Tristan, I don't know if we've seen him before. I don't remember. He's this other hospitality guy. He tells her the baby's company coming, so she announces, you know, the, the good news over the intercom thing because you know she's like, everyone deserves they deserve to, you know, some good news. So kids are are gathered by the tree. Ruth's talking to him how it's been a while since there's been a birth. Um, you know, all the names are up there. They turn on. There's like some like kind of Christmas lights. You know, on the tree, whatever. They turn it on, but then whoosh! It starts going up in flames. So this alarm goes off, and you know, Layton hears it in, in uh, the doctor's place. So Till talks to Layton on the phone. She's like, "Stay put. The fire department has it un- under control." And then the other doctor comes in um, and the crazy doctor is like, why is he here? And and he's like, because I called her. Cause he's like, cause I don't trust you. So then um Layton does, you know, it's, it's going to be a while till the baby comes. So he goes to the tree until tell, tells him that like the power for the lights was kind of exposed. So it's like someone wanted it to go up or something like that. They decide to go to the night car to talk to Osweiler and, and LJ to see if there's something about the alcohol, you know, there was a the tree, Doused with it or something like that. Um, so that the, the Ike, uh, alcohol from the till is highly flammable, but LJ says that they, you know, they measure it very carefully. You, know, you can check our records, and you know, Wilfred kept a tight ship, blah blah, you know, all this stuff like that. Ben um offers to let Josie, you know, kind of drive the train a little bit because he he says that you know, he's down an engineer, and she's obviously kind of bummed about the baby coming, and she's like, you know, I'm happy for them and everything. Then she's like, Oh, look, I'm gonna show you something. So she takes like this pin and she like pokes her leg. He's like, What are you doing? And she's like, Yeah, I can't even feel that. And, you know, it's a side effect of a cold experiment, or whatever. Ben puts um Sykes. So Sykes, I don't know if I mentioned her. She's like this covert operative, what you know, he trusts her now or anything like that. So he um Ben puts her with with Javi to do inventory for like when to get off the train. And and he's like, What? Is she my apprentice? He's like, No, you're equal. And he's like, Hobby knows that Ben, you know, doesn't trust him and everything. He's like, but I trust both of you to set up the irrigation or blah, 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 or something like that when we get off. So they're, they're doing some stuff. And then uh, he starts kind of having a panic attack or whatever and, you know, hearing the dog growling. And then she notices and, like, she tries helping him. And then, you know, he just, like, sits down and she sits next to him. And then she's like, can I? And she, like, kind of takes his hood off. And because she has a scar on her, her cheek, too. She's like, do you remember it? And she's like, I don't. You know just fragments, she's like, I, I don't remember what I did to piss Wilfred off, but while the dog was attacking me, I just thought how it wasn't the dog's fault. And she's like, It's kind of weird, right? Osweiler takes late and until to some the other bootleggers, like in, in a third class or something like that. They're the, you're they're like, You're not going in, he's like, No, they're the competition, he's like, You know, so he doesn't want to go into whatever. So they come in there, they're like, As he worries, like, We just want to talk to your manager. So some guy, I think his name is Z, so they. They're down there, and they notice some big, like, jugs. It looks a little bit off, and then he, like, tries it. So a couple of bottles have been replaced with water. He's like, someone ran off with my stuff. So it wouldn't have taken that much, you know, to start to treat. So someone out there still has, uh, you know, more alcohol. You know, and that's, again, highly flammable. So Till goes to talk to Audrey since she hates Layton. And, you know, she's, like, at this, like, bar or whatever in 3rd. And she asks if she knows anything about the fire and she says that, you know, then tells like, you know, you need to find your rock bottom bottom, and then remember who you were, you know, you were a healer. It's like, you know, you know, we're going to need that when we get off the train. So Ben and Josie are talking some more in, in the engine room, whatever, the control room. And then finally, you know, she's like, do you miss her, Melanie? And he's like, yeah, every day. He's like, you know, I had one relationship for 15 years and, and you know, Leighton, um, walks by checks on wilfred sees like alex is reading to him because uh the doctor said that you know it's good simulation for his brain because you know she had a book or whatever so she kind of gets startled whatever and then uh oh every once in a while on on the, the over at the intercom they're ringing like some like bells like kind of jingle bells type of thing you know because baby's not is still not coming or it's still not here yet whatever. but uh every time wilfred hears him he kind of mumbles or something like that and then ruth comes to tell him that there's a report of heavy smoke so he's gonna go check that out Zara is all like, okay, the baby's coming. She's like, you need to find Andre, but he's you know going to check out the smoke, which you know, we saw at the beginning, so you know something's gonna happen. Javi notices that there's a bunch of anomia, uh, an, an ammonia nitrate missing from when they're doing inventory, so that's not good. Leighton gets to where the fire must be. there's like smoke and we see Pike is hiding in the shadows. Because, you know, he said something to Ruth before when, he, you know, he saw her in her uniform because, you know, he thinks that she should be um, leading or whatever. And, uh, you know, but she says that, you know, she knows her place and this is what it is. So, uh Leighton sees the little can with the fire and he, like, p- kind of puts it out with the fire extinguisher. Then, till this other dude come in, they're like, hey, we got this. You know, Zara's calling for you. But Pike is, you know, he's still, like, on in the other room kind of, like, hiding and then Leighton, he's like, he sees something. He's like, get down, whatever. And then there's like this little explosion and it knocks him down. So Josie and Ben, they get the alert about the fire and it's in a high value car. Um, Sykes until they're, you know, Leighton's starting to come around. They, they're they're there. They, they check if he's okay. Ben calls Javi, says the systems are clear. Um, Javi says that it was a small bomb. You know, it could have been a lot worse and it must have been detonated with a remote. So Pike did this. Um, with Zara, that the baby's temperature is dropping or something like that. So, something's happening. Um, that's not good. <laughs> Tilt helps Leighton get to Zara. He sits behind her to keep her warm. And she's like, I made a terrible mistake. But the doctor's like, you know, push or whatever. The baby comes out, starts crying. Zara holds her. So, okay, the baby's safe. The baby's born so far. Ruth announces a birth. Ben pulls, like, on a train horn. <laughs> there's fireworks go off. Audrey's still sitting at the bar in third and she gets up. She grabs a guitar starts humming and like singing a song. Um, Ben and Josie they decide to go to Funky Town in the the front of the train so hopefully no one's going to walk in on them because that would be awkward. Zara apparently picked the name Liana for, for the baby's name. And then she notices Leighton's head's bleeding. He's like, oh, you know, we'll worry about that later. It'll get checked out. He's like, I just want to be here. And then Till tells the, the doctors, you know, they're, like, nearby. She's like, you know, someone almost got him." And then Pike is staring at Audrey as she's seeing something about, it, like, I don't, I don't know if it's an actual song that, that people would, that, you know, we would know, but the, some of the lines, like, there's a thin line between love and hate or something like that. And then he goes off. He, like, takes something. He smashed something in the hall. Like I don't know if he's trying to frame someone. Is he framing Audrey? Is, is I have no idea what's going on. But Pike, man, it's like him and Leighton, You know they didn't get along, but I thought that they were they were over their differences. But you know he doesn't think Leighton should be leading, but he doesn't want to do it. Uh, it's just annoying. So that was the end of the episode. So the baby's born. Uh, but oh, and Wilford was kind of talking a little bit more. To, to Layton so maybe he's coming out of it is he faking it it's like whatever dude he needs to go away <laughs> so that's the end of this episode but uh, looking at the previews man uh, again things are getting tense Pike is stirring things up uh, I don't know how much longer Pike's going to have on this train because it's and it, it, that's the thing you know it's like Wilford's out of picture so now Pike has to stir things up it's like come on man like, you just can't have a happy train okay with Superman and Lois Superman and Lois is back so season two, episode five, Girl, Dun, 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 dun you'll be a woman soon. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. So it starts off Metropolis 1979. Sorry about that. I I I apologize. Metropolis 1979, this dude tells this girl, he's like, I know you're nervous, but you know, everything's gonna be okay. So the other dude comes in, sits behind a desk, you know, like a lawyer type dude. And he says that, you know, he wants to talk about a will and a trust. You know, he's like the title and house will be in, in this girl's name. Uh, um, but however, to receive her inheritance, she must agree to look after something. So there's like this fancy silver case and there's like this purple pendant in there. The dude that's with the girl, he's like, that thing is poisonous. That's what killed her father. But then the, the lawyer's like, well, it's made very firm. So the girl's name is Allie. At first, I'm like Allie, and then the the dude's like, "This has ruined her family." He's like, you know, they, they. He's like, goes to her. He's like, "We can break the cycle," but the dude behind the desk is like, "The choice is yours, Miss Alston." So this is young Allie. So then she thinks for a moment. Then you know, the, oh, the the dude, her uncle, whoever this guy was, like gave her like a a mint before she like spits it out in this glass vase or something like that. And then, <laughs> then the lawyer's like, "Oh, if you'll excuse us, you know, we have much to discuss." And then, and, and like, when he's alone with little alley he's like, your father would be so proud, you know. He's like, he was so close, and, and now it's up to you to finish his life's work. So, in the present, she's holding that pendant. She says that, you know, she tells like her one dude, she's like, oh, you know, we prepared a tea or whatever. You know, we ha- have an important guest coming, and, and you know, I want to show her something. At the farm, Lois is making banana muffins and a care package for Tag um, and John Henry at, at the hospital um clark says that you know he wishes he could do something he blames himself for pulling john henry you know into all this but she's like well technically i pulled him into one i asked him to look into the mines. so if you're going to feel guilty then that means i have to feel guilty and i'm already feeling guilty about my sister and clark's like why are you feeling guilty <laughs> everyone's somebody you to so guilty he's like why are you feeling guilty he's like you know lucy betrayed you you know if anything it should be the other way around she should feel guilty but lois is like well unless I was wrong. She's just like, you know, this whole time I assumed that, you know, everything that came out of Allie's mouth was a lie, you know, shadow dimensions and mirror selves. She's like, and, and then suddenly there's a bizarre version of you, of, of Clark that, you know, busts through the earth's crust. She's like, what if the two are related? She's like, she could have, you know, or she's like, you know, I could have ruined everything with what I wrote. And Clark's like, your sister almost died. It's like, you were right to write what you did. And then Lois is like, well, you know, what if I didn't have all the facts? Then the boys come down, they're like, we smell banana muffins. And Clark's like, they're for Natalie. But then Lois takes out two of them, puts them on the table. And Clark's like, he, he's he's like, he's like whoa, whoa. He's like, not fair. And then Lois brings out another one for him and he smiles like, oh, thanks. So Jonathan asks if there's been an update on John Henry. And they're like, uh, "You know he's got a tough recovery for him and everything like that. So he's like, I guess that means Nat probably won't make Sarah's quinceanera. And they're like, unfortunately, not. But you know, they're, they're still gonna go. So Sarah's practicing dancing with her dad. You know, she gets trolled onto the couch. So Kyle and Lana start dancing, and she's like, "Oh, don't start kissing or anything." When you know, so then Kyle gets a, a call on his phone it's from Tanya Martinez, but he doesn't answer it. So I'm assuming that's the lady from the bar, right? Then she, asked, Sarah, asks if Abuelita knows that she's taking back their last name, and he's like, "No, I didn't tell her in case you changed your mind." And Sarah's like. She's like, I'm not gonna shame you mind. She's like, it's wrong that Abelito had to change his his name from Cortez to Cushing just to get a job in Smallville. And he's like, well, you know, it's different times back then or whatever. Uh, Superman zips into Tag's room at the, at the DOD hospital, and you know, he tries to sit up. He's like, oh, you know, take it easy. You know, you broke a, have a lot of broken ribs. He's like, how are you feeling? And he's like, well, better than the others. He's like, Is that thing's still loose. And Superman says, he's like, well, I can't find it. He's like, that pendant that I gave you. He's like, what'd you do with it? and tag's like well i gave it to general anderson you know during the debriefing he's like i had to follow protocol and he's like okay yeah i get it and everything like that and then you know, Superman's about to leave he's like you know thanks for for saving my life and then he's like yeah and then he zooms out of there sam arrives for jordan so uh jordan asked sam lane to train him uh, how he's going to train him to use superpowers it's like you think your dad who's superman could train you but um Jonathan's curious like why are you hanging out so then like he finally you know it doesn't take that much like arm twisting he's like he's training me and then (laughs) when Sam gets out of the car Jonathan's like you're training him and Sam looks at Jordan he's like you'd make a terrible spy then he's like why the secrecy and Sam's like your parents aren't prepared to deal with the, the fact of the situation that you know someday your father may need jordan to help him you know whatever so johnson's like okay and he starts walking away and sam's like you know we could actually use you today to you know help determine jordan's baseline lois is at the paper she's like on her her laptop she's you know watching her old alley videos you know to see if she missed anything chrissy walks in and things are are still kind of tense between the two Lois tells her what she's doing. She's like, Do You want to help? And she's like, I can't. I have an appointment. I just stopped by to get my notes. Lois is like, I know you're mad at me, but you know, we're supposed to be working on the story together. And Chrissy says, Except that we aren't. She's like, whenever we work together, it feels like I'm working for you. And she's like, you know, with you, everything's on a need-to-know basis. She's like, why couldn't you tell me the whole Lucy story? And it's like, oh my gosh, shut up. It's like this is her sister. So yeah, she's going to tell you everything. You know, the fact that her sister almost died and, and, you know, maybe she's trying to protect her privacy. So Lois is like, I didn't think it was relevant. And Chrissy's like, to whom? It's like, you can't just pick and choose the facts that you think are important. You did the same thing with Morgan Edge. It's like, yeah, well, Morgan Edge is her husband's half-brother. And, you know, there's more to the story that she, she can't tell her. And she says, It makes me look like an idiot and it makes me hard. It makes it hard for me to trust you. And Lois is like, Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. And Chrissy's like, Oh, it's fine. It just confirms what I've always known. You want the truth? You have to find it yourself. And then she leaves. It's just like, Good riddance, man. And it's so the thing is, it's like, Okay, you got Lois Lane, world renowned reporter, Chrissy Beppo, <laughs> in charge of the Smallville Gazette. He's like, who? It's like, come on, lady. It's like you should be honored that lois is is wanting to buy half of your st- stupid paper that you couldn't even oh my subscri- subscribers are we're gonna have to shut the paper down because no one's reading it because i'm I'm the only one working here anyways. <laughs> so she leaves and then lois like looks on her screen and she's like wait is that dr faulkner like so she recognizes someone at at one of Allie's meeting i'm like dr faulkner so dr faulkner is uh, the doctor lady at the mines the questionable lady and uh, we see her get out of her car and bizarro's like hovering like a ways away and he like sees her with his like supervision so then um general whatever anderson this annoying dude he's staring at some screens superman zips in he's like you were supposed to alert me when you found it not send your own team and he's like i believe that they were my best option and superman's like how many times did i tell you that they're kids they're not ready for something like that and anderson says they were soldiers trained to handle any threat against a country except for one that looks like you and he's like why don't you tell me that thing you're you're chasing was you superman's like it's not me He's like, he's like, I don't know what that thing is or you know where it's from, but I'm gonna stop it. Then why are you still here? And he says, Superman's like, well, I need something first. He's like, the pendant. He's like, he's like, I don't know what it is, but sometimes I can see what it sees. So he, you know, he thinks that he can find it with the pendant. So and then he's like, is, is that all? And Superman's like, what are you implying? Anderson mentions there's an energy field that appears whenever the two of them are together. Superman asks. You know, If that makes him stronger, then why would he tell Tag to take it? Anderson's like, Tag said it landed at his feet. You simply told him to run. Maybe you didn't realize it was in his possession. Superman says, we're on the same side here, General. And then Anderson's like, every day, I believe that just a little bit less. And Superman says, he's like, just give me the pendant so I can track, track it down. Anderson's like, sorry, that's not possible. Chain of command and all. I'm afraid you'll just have to use your own superpowers this time. And he turns his back on Superman. Superman's like, you're making a mistake. And Anderson's like, bring me the other Superman, and then we can discuss giving your, you your jewelry back. And man, it's like, Anderson and Chrissy Beppo? You guys are kicking the pants. Uh, so Sam has the boys do like 50 push-ups under a minute. And then he's like, oh, that's fine. It's not great. And then he tells jordan he's like this is a dumb competition with your brother and then jordan's like he's like yeah you know i could have done better so he, they they're like they're like let's go again and sam's like why, why don't you get some water he's like, he tells jonathan to get them some water from upstairs Sarah tries on her dress, she can barely move on it, and they and her are like, oh my god, your dress, blah, blah, blah. Um, Clark goes to the paper to talk to Lois, mentions how Anderson thinks that he's trying to use the power dependent to power himself, empower himself, whatever. And she's like, Well, maybe she we should just call my dad. And Clark's like, no, it's like, let's just leave him out of this for now. Then Lois mentions, she's like, Well, you know, I'm gonna go to the mines, uh, that Ameritech doc is also one of Allie's disciples. And he's like, Well, that's a strange coincidence. And she's like, Well, you know, that a good thing I don't believe in coincidences. And so he's like, do you want me to go with? And she's like, no, I need you to go to dry cleaners, you know, to get her old dress or something like that. Chrissy is having tea with Allie. So she goes to visit Allie and, you know, she's interviewing her. She's like, so if I understand correctly, the Ascension is something your father came up with. And Allie's like, it's actually, you know, it's a belief that our family has passed down for generations. You know, we were chosen. And then they start talking about like facts versus faith and, and stuff like that. But then Chrissy gets a little dizzy. And and then Allie's like, is does she do something? Is she doing something? The like, what's going on? And then, you know, because she she makes a comment about like Jesus and the Jews or whatever, and and then she's you know, Ali's like, well, it's not just about you know faith or whatever. She's like, I can prove it, and she's like, how? And she's like, you're about to find out, Miss Beppo. And then she's like, real. She's like, you drugged me, and she tries getting up, and then she passes out, and this you know the other dude like catches her. Lois goes to the mines, goes to Faulkner's trailer there's like no one in there she goes like in the back office and bizarro's there kneeling and then he slowly gets up and this is like (coughs) his like head twitch flinch thing whatever and then zips past lois lois looks around the desk Faulkner is on the floor with her head twisted like almost backwards and then superman arrives and she's confused she's like you know she saw he just like left he's like why would he kill the doctor and not me you know it it was like i startled him and superman's like well maybe he's married to some version of you on, on his world so Lois picks up, like, a crumpled pamphlet, like, Allie's picture and about the ascension. And she's like, or or maybe we have the same enemy. Chrissy's lying on the floor in, the, like, the hotel room. She's got, like, the pendant around her neck. The dude, um, he's, like, checking her pulse. He's like, it's, it's been seven minutes since I felt anything. And Allie's like, well, every journey has its own pace. And then uh, she's like, you know, let the pendant guide her. He's like, well, you know, maybe I should get the defibrillator just in case. And then Chrissy sits up. What was that? Allie's like, that was the truth. And she's like, congratulations, you've ascended. Jonathan decides, um, you know, he's upstairs, he gets like a bottle, a couple bottles of water or whatever. And then he's like thinking, he decides to take some yellow K before, you know, from an inhaler before going down to the basement. So Jordan's punching like a a corn bag, you know, punching bag thing or whatever. And uh, Jonathan's like, oh, you know, why don't we um, do a little sparring or something like that? And he says, you know, he just wants to see how, how I want to see how I do against, you know, Superboy. So they're fighting. Jonathan lands like the first punch. And then, uh, you know, Jordan hits hits him like in the gut or something like that. And then Jonathan dodges, dodges, dodges. And then boom, boom, boom. And it, like knocks him down. And Jordan's on the floor. He's like, what's wrong with you? And, you know, Sam stops him. And Jonathan's like, you know, oh, maybe you're just training the wrong kid. And he like walks away. It's like, okay, druggy kid. Now you're getting hooked on this you be friends with Calvin from Strange Academy comic, right? She's <laughs> stupid, taking drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. Kyle's mom has arrived and um, asks, you know, she's like, oh, how did my son get so lucky to have such a beautiful family? So like Lana, Sarah, and uh, finally the little sister there, who we hardly ever see. I, I was like, what's her name again? Her name is Sophie. They're all, like, all in dresses. And Kyle's like, well, I just married the right woman. So Chrissy says that you know, she's sitting there. She's like, "It was me, but not me." She's like, more like this Bizarro version of me. I'm like, <laughs> it's like who? If okay, I'm trying to think. If we didn't have Bizarro in the comics, would people use the word Bizarro? I don't think I. Anyways, so she's like, "Does that make any sense?" And Allie's like, "Like, yes." She's like, "That was." your other half that was missing and Chrissy's like it was so strange it's like everything was just off somehow but Allie but she's like you you were everywhere then Lois walks in and she's like, Chrissy and Allie's like what's going on is this some sort of trap and she's like Allie, Chrissy's like I'm just as surprised as you are and then Superman zips in too Chrissy's like what's Superman doing here and Superman's like Miss Olsen we believe you may be in danger and she just like laughs she's like oh what you know it's like Lois is trying to do something now Lois like I, this has nothing to do with, with me or whatever. She's like Kit Faulkner was murdered. And Allie's like surprised so she knows who she's like, murdered by whom? And Superman's like here's like something. He's like, it's coming. So he goes to Allie's side and like pushes her like onto the couch or something like that. Bizarro busts through the walls, hits Superman, and then they go flying out through the like the walls behind them and then they're like they're just staring out the hole um i don't know where it happened to the dude but it's like uh Allie, lois and, and chrissy and chrissy's like what the heck was that and lois like kind of notices Allie's reaction because she's like surprised and she's like we need to get out of here so superman and bizarro of course end up in this old factory thank goodness it's an abandoned factory right not like a middle of a costco there's no costcos in smallville right and is like facing back and forth like kind of growling and then he's like but it's like subtitled so i don't think no superman can understand him but he's like get out of my way and superman's like i'm not gonna let you kill anyone else and then he flies at superman and superman just punches him in the face and he goes flying back bizarro gets up tries again same thing happens again flies at him punches punches him and then They, the Superman flies at him. They fly at each other. Punch, punch. Sends Bizarro back. Circles back around. Punches him like in the gut. Trading blows. Bizarro uses fire breath. Superman uses freeze breath. And then Bizarro uses ice vision and and freezes Superman to the wall. And he whispers, "Now you die." And then Superman realizes, like you're the opposite of me so he busts out of the ice he grabs him zips him up through the ceiling flying punching him as they fly they end up by the mine they go through and superman there's like a bunch of yellow k rocks on he has in his hand he's like punching him over and over and over with it and he's bizarro's finally knocked out and then as he's standing there he sees there's this like metal bin there it says property of the dod so what the DOD oh I guess I guess they're trying to clean it up so it gets out of so it doesn't go in anyone's hands, but I was like I, I wouldn't trust him with it. So the quinceanera has uh, started. So the quinceanera is at at the Kent's farm at, in the barn. Jordan and Jonathan arrived. They're like, no parents, they're like, oh, they're getting dressed. Then um Jordan's like, Oh, you look. Uh, uh, he's like stammering because he sees Sarah in her dress and everything. John is like, I think the word he's looking for is stunning. And then Jordan gets close to him with a stupid grin. He's like, That's not the word. And Kyle's like, Hey, you watch it, Rico Suave. And then uh, Sarah looks at, at Jonathan. She's like, Oh, you know, sorry I didn't invite Candace, but, you know, she says, With with something, you know, she was at her limit. With, with, and John's like, Oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. So she couldn't invite Candace, but. Chrissy Beppo is gonna be coming. <laughs> it's like, does, does Chrissy and Sarah have they even do they even know each other? <laughs> Superman zips to the farm, he changes, and Lois is like, "Everything okay?" And he's like, "Yeah, he's at the fortress, and my mom's gonna see if she, you know what she can learn." Then he's like, "What was Chrissy doing with Allie?" And she's like, "We'll, we'll find out. She's gonna be here." It's like, why is Chrissy coming to Kinsanera for some kid she doesn't know? I mean, I guess she's from Smallville. Maybe she knows some. I don't know. Maybe. Jonathan, he's at the little, like, you know, getting something to drink. And Jordan's like, hey, can you get me a lime soda? And Jonathan's like, what am I, your, your drink boy now? And he's like, oh, it's for Sarah. He's like, what's your problem? You went all aggro with me when we were training just to show grandpa that he's wasting his time. And Jonathan's like, do you hear yourself? It's, it's always about you. And for the record, I didn't go all aggro just to make you look bad. I'm just better than you. You should get used to it because I'm only getting stronger. It's like, no, you're not, dude. You're taking drugs lois and clark enter and kyle's like hey whatever and they're like oh sorry we're late and he's like oh no we're just getting started then he gets a text from tanya i'm outside and he's like oh i better go see something blah 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 so he makes an excuse to go outside sarah and jordan though she wanted to go outside because her feet are killing her from the heels or something like that so they're sitting on the front porch and um and he's like uh do you want me to rub your feet and she's like uh when we're old or something like that so then she's asked about jonathan and you know about how he's like suddenly changing or something like that and she's like well you know that's kind of how it was before her depression you know she's like you should just you know keep an eye on him or whatever Kyle find, finds Tanya what are you doing here and she's like well you haven't been returning my calls or my texts and he's like I didn't stop by the other day to start things up again and she's like yeah you made that clear and he's like what do you want she's like well when you stop by the bar I got upset again and called my girlfriend he's like hold, hold up you told your girlfriend about us, her friend, not like girlfriend, girlfriend. And she's like, yeah, she's like, I did because back when we were together, I stupidly thought that you're going to leave your wife because that's what you said you wanted. Then, you know, you came by because you were worried about Lana's campaign. That was pretty crappy. And she's like, my friend thinks that, you know, Dean's campaign would pay for this kind of info. Um, She's like, I asked her not to, and Kyle's like, Do you think she sold the story? And Tanya's like, I don't know. She's like, Money is tight. People do stupid things. I thought you should know because I would never do anything to hurt you. All I wanted was to be with you. And she she leaves, and he goes back in. As he walks back to the barn, barn, Jordan and Sarah. It's like, did they hear that? It's like they definitely saw him walk. You know, talking to her or something like that. So Kyle goes inside and he sees Dink says. Lana invited Mayor Dean there. She didn't think he was going to come, but he's actually there. So they're talking. He's like, Clark's like, is everything all right? He's like, no. He's like, I made a huge mistake, and I think my family's about to pay for it. So Dean's like, oh, we were just talking about you. And, you know, Lana somehow comes out that, you know, they're changing the name. Dean's like, oh, that's progressive. He's like, oh, you're just full of surprises. So Chrissy's there. Why is she there? She's like getting a plate of food. And Lois is like, why don't you tell me you're going to see Allie? And Chrissy's like, just because I needed to be objective. And and then they're talking about like secrets and blah, 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 just like that. Then Chrissy mentions, you know, all the one that Lois is captured or whatever. And Lois is like, sorry. And Chrissy's like, yeah, okay, we need to talk. She's like, Allie drugged me and had me cross over to the other world where I saw another version of myself. It was really intense and it was an intense trip. And I definitely had a few trips in my time. And then she's like, and there's something else, like everything that your sister said is, you know, different dimension, parallel universe, whatever you want to call it. So Allie was right. And, but then they're like, everything, oh, everyone over there was like scared of her over there. It's like she, Allie had taken over and Lois like taken over what? She's like the country, maybe the world. It's like bottom line. She's like, you weren't wrong about Allie. That woman is dangerous. It's like, we have to do something. So it's almost time for the father daughter dance. Lana, you know, thanks Clark for letting them have the. Uh, you know have this at the at the farm you know he's always been there when it mattered um sarah comes out onto the dance floor you know her her dad is her head's like down and just like she doesn't look kyle in the eyes they start dancing or anything like that and then she's like stops and lana's like oh no she's having a panic attack and kyle's like what's wrong and he tries to put it like his hand to her like her hair and she like pushes it away and she's like how could you do that she's like i heard you and he like reaches again she's like no and she walks out and then like kyle goes after and like lana follows and everyone's just like staring. It's like uh, awkward. So outside, he's trying tell She's like, please calm down. She's like, no. And Alana comes up and she's like, what's going on? And Sarah's like, tell her, tell her what I saw. And he's like, it's not what you think. And she's like, don't lie to me. I know what I saw. You and some some woman. And then Alana, like, she like looks at Kyle. And she's like, the girl from the bar? And he's like, just let me explain. And she's like, God, I believed you. You were just blowing off steam after work. And he's like, can we just talk? And she's like, not here, not now. He's like, please. And she's like, I said not now. And then Lana tells her, you know, she's talking to her alone. She's like, this is your night. She's like, everyone here is celebrating you because they love you. And Lana's like, we're going to go in there and we're going to celebrate this, you know, this wonderful night with with our family and our friends. She's like, I don't know if I can do it. She's like, yes, you know, blah, 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 you can. So they go in there and Kyle's left, left standing alone. Inside. Lana thanks um, everyone for coming, you know, gives a big speech about Sarah, blah, blah, blah. She's my best friend, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, you know, they're all listening. Then Lara calls kal he's awake. So Lois, is, she's like, whoa, what? And he tells her, and she's like, okay, just make sure no one sees you go. So Lara tells Superman, she's like, I've never seen anything like it. He is your opposite in so many ways, yet still you. And she's like, you'll be able to understand him now. So he's like in this yellow ring prison, whatever. And Bizarro's like, I should have killed you. And Superman's like, you tried more than once. And Lara's like, why are you here, Kal-El? He's like, to save my world and yours. So then Jordan texts Sarah. So this is like after Kinzira. Jonathan comes in. He's like, hey, I just want to say, you know, sorry about what happened with Sarah. It really sucks. And Jordan's like, you know, then he's like, John, he's like, what's going on, man? He's like, he's like, can we not get into this right now? And Jordan's like, come on, man. He's like, keeping secrets never works out. Says the guy who's keeping a massive secret. Can you just quit acting like you know everything? And Jordan looks at him and he's like, yeah, can you just quit lying to my face? I'm not lying. And then when he says that, Jonathan's eyes go red and Jordan like flinches back. And Jordan's like, you have powers? He's like, no wonder you're so much you know, stronger this morning. And Jonathan's like, shh. He's like, it just started you know, a couple of days ago, and I just, you know, I'm trying to get a feel for them. And then Jordan's like, oh, we should go tell, you know, Mom and Dad. And he's like, he's like no, no. He's like, Dad will take me off the team if he, find, if he finds out. He's like, can we just talk about it later? And then, you know, Sarah's calling. He's like, yeah, we'll talk about it. So she calls him. And then uh, Superman tells Bizarro he's a murderer. Bizarro's like, I'm a soldier. He's like, there are casualties of war, whether you want to admit it or not. Superman's like, we're not at war. And Bizarro's like, not yet, but you will be. So Lara's like, at war with whom? And he's like, that woman whose life he just saved. Ellie Alston will destroy everything you love. Your friends, your family. You'll lose it all unless you kill her first. So I got to say, I, I'm really digging this Bizarro stuff. I, I think they're, they're doing an awesome job. I don't like how everyone's using Bizarro, like throwing that word out left and right. But I think they're it, it's been really good. So this show, it's 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 so weird. It's they're just doing a really good job, you know, considering it's a CW, it's a Arrowverse show which doesn't feel like it's an Arrowverse. I just read an article where they're like, yeah, it is an Arrowverse, but it's not. It is, but it's not. So, so I, I, it's so weird, but I don't I kind of don't even care because it's so good. Okay, then let's talk about Space Force season 2. So, um I, I like the show. Um, you know, I debated whether I was going to talk about it or not. I'm not sure what the interest is. You know, um, I did talk about the first season. I think it was it was back on episode 145. Um, I know maybe like 145, 146. I don't know if, if I talked about it in two episodes or not. But I figured we'll ju- we'll just do it. So it's it's um, I think it's like seven episodes. So I'll just kind of do it briefly. So if you watch the first season, it's it's funny. You know, it has uh, Steve Carell, it has John Malkovich, and it's. It's it's a, a charming show, and there's like all these other people in here, which is it's kind of kind of weird, you know. A lot of people have like small roles, which I wasn't expecting this, to see certain certain people. Uh, I don't know if, if this was said is like this is the last season. I don't know if there's potential for a third season or not. I mean, it definitely leaves on a cliffhanger, but I'll just kind of go through kind of quickly as quickly as i can you know it is a sitcom so i feel it's it's it doesn't really help to go through you know the synopsis or spoilers because you lose the jokes but anyways in case you have watched it or you did listen to what i said and you're curious about these characters so season two episode one inquiry so it's three months later after um the where the first episode left off because uh Mark, he's got in trouble. You know, General um, Naird, uh Steve Carell. You know, there's a the the chaos at the moon with the the U.S. versus the Chinese and everything like that. So three months later, there's a hearing. Um, Tony, the Ben Schwartz, he's like the PR guy, and you know they're, they're supposed to give up their phones, and he's like having a hard time releasing his phone, whatever. So there's a new administration now. So there's, there's a new president. And Mark's facing a new secretary of defense who's played by Tim Meadows, which like I can't remember the last time I seen Tim Meadows. So they're there to discuss um, should Space Force continue to exist. So Mark ha- has to talk about everything that happened on that day. Mark was ordered... He was ordered to order an attack against the Chinese for desecrating an American flag. But then he left and then he returned. You know, he's like in a helicopter when he flies back. So the other dude, General Grabistan he you know detained mark and his team against her will because he just really hates mark so grab a stand goes on the stand he says that the problem is mark you know he's like he wears a size eight he's like how can we really trust anyone with with the foot the size of a child or something like that and then um he comes in and you know they're like in his back where after he does his testimony you know they're all sitting in, in like this this waiting room thing he tells so aaron's there aaron's mark's daughter and he's like Oh, don't worry. He's like, I'll make sure your dad is put in the cell next to your mom because Lisa Kudrow is her mom. You know she's in, in jail. So Doctor Mallory on John, uh, John Malkovich, he goes on a stand. It Doesn't really go well. Brad, General Brad, he's a general, but he's kind of like, like Mark's secretary. You know, receptionist, whatever. He goes um, on, a, on a on a stand, or he, he says that he'll take care of Aaron if Mark goes to jail. And Mark's like, it's not gonna happen. So Tony goes up. he does this like video presentation, he has like photoshopped images, you know, then there's a picture, of, he has a picture of, of the secretary of defense with the grandson. He's like, "How would you get that?" And then you know, whatever. And then it comes up that that Mark actually fired him twice and but then rehired him. So he's like, "Oh, you know, he was just, you know, a little angry or whatever." It's sort of like, "Oh, so he's an indecisive hothead." So, you know, that doesn't go well um Aaron goes up on a stand which is weird that they would have a civilian you know doing this but she you know mentions her father for getting her at the prison about her parents open marriage a night terror so it's like all this is going horrible um, Mark's facetiming his wife uh, outside and then everyone's like oh is that that Maggie whatever and they all start talking to her and stuff like that so Angela the astronaut the black astronaut who says it's good to be black on the moon and said it's good to be back on the moon she decides that they should all let off some steam while they're waiting for the verdict. So they do like this backward roller chair race on the hall and everything like that. So then uh, secretary of defense, he says the testimony was unstable, fragile incom- incompetent treasonous and all this stuff like that. He says a lot of fingers are pointing at him. So now is the chance for him to point the finger himself. And Mark's like, well, when you point your finger, you, know, you have three fingers pointing back at you with one erect finger pointing up. Like, Grabison says that you know, Mark is just jealous of him because he wanted his job. Secretary of Defense says that you know, um, Grabison's blatant disregard for human life would have caused an international incident. So he is to retire his position with full honors and benefits. So Space Force will stay under the command of General Nard. Grabison is, is, is ticked off. But Mark has five months to prove himself. And he's like, "Well, I could do it in four. And he's like, "Okay, it's good to hear that." And he's like, "You know, and there's gonna be budget cuts and stuff like that, you know." So the ability to green light new missions, all that's cut. He's like, "So we'll see you in four months." He's like, ah. "He's like, but if if I need that extra month, can and then he's like, he he kicks him out or whatever." So Mark uh, tells the others, "Space Force isn't going anywhere." Um, he talks to Mallory on his side. Uh, you know, he he's like he's like, "I don't understand how I'm not in jail after all that damning testimony." And then there's a flashback. Mallory's like, Mark Nared is a man of questionable fashion sense, but unquestionable character. Tony's like, I would go to war with him, with anybody on Twitter. Andrew's like, I would have spent the last few minutes of my life black on the moon if it wasn't for Mark Nared. Brad's like, oh, Captain, my captain, our fearful trip is done. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize is sought as won." It's like what? Aaron's like he always thinks of others before himself. He's a good dad. Chan, uh, the scientist dude, he's like underneath that titanium surface, he's filled with neon. Then he's like neon's a noble gas. I'm trying to say that Nero's a noble dude. Angela says I literally owe my life to him. Brad's like the port is near. The bells I hear. Aaron's like he's definitely a great general. It's like I love him a lot. And Brad's like for you the flag is flung. For you the bugle trills. Mallory's like, there is no better person at Space Force than Mark Nared. She's like, I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but he's my best friend. Then back in the room, Mallory's like, maybe you're just lucky. And then Tony's got his phone back. He's, you know, he's sitting on the floor with his phone's like plugged. His phone died and he's, he's bummed. Then he's like, oh, he's checking the weather in Tucson and everything, whatever. And, but, and then everyone leaves. Episode two, budget cuts. So the budget is going to be cut almost in half. Mark is going to have to figure out what is going to be cut or it'll be done for him. Aaron's friend talks her on the phone about buying stock. She's like, I made almost two grand in one day. And she's, and Aaron's like, well, how much should I invest? And she's like, well, how rich do you want to be? So Aaron's like, well, I could use my college fund. And her friend's like, that's a good idea. And Aaron's like, but is it Chan is trying to figure out where he and Angela, if they're still dating, you know, he doesn't know what's, what's going on. Cause he likes her, but she's like been very kind of distant or anything like that. Um, the the lady who wants Mark to make all the cuts, she she's you know she looks at the stuff that, that she did. She's like, oh you need to cut the Mars mission. But Mallory mentioned earlier, he's like, they better not cut that mission because you know he has an astronaut who's been out there for like nine months already. There's a press conference. Um only Angela and this one bird that was on the trip are allowed to go because the others are all idiots and they keep saying the wrong things. So she's just having a hard time everyone's calling her a hero and everything like that. But and you know, she tells Tony she doesn't want to do the next batch of interviews, so she's just having a really hard time dealing with you know being back. Someone uh, tells Mallory that they heard uh, Mark was going to be replaced, so he he tells Mark, and then you know, Mark's like, "Well, I also have bad news," and he tells him about you know Mars getting cut. So Mallory's like ticked off. They call um, Captain Lancaster, so he's a Jupiter guy, Pat Oswald. They they call him to tell him that Mars has been canceled, but they can't bring it. They can't bring themselves to tell him because you know he's devoted so much of his time already and everything like that Aaron decides to pull the trigger on in investing Angela does this interview you know Tony convinces her to put like a, a comm in her ear that he'll like say everything for her so then she finally says you know she's like I'm not a hero you need to stop calling me back whatever then Mark decides to throw a Christmas party, even though it's March, because he mentioned a story before about his horrible Christmas, didn't have any money, but then he went under the tree, and then his mom went under the tree, and his dad went under the tree. There were presents for each other, and they're just like, like what? So he, and he gets them like a karaoke machine, but it only has like offshoot like Christmas songs on there. There's like not even anything good on there or whatever. Episode three, the Chinese delegation. So Mark and Aaron meet with her teacher. Her grades aren't great, so they're trying to figure out like, what she's going to do after high school? Secretary of Defense tells Mark that the President wants him to make a treaty with the Chinese delegation so they can share resources on the moon. Everyone knows, um, it's, it seems like everyone knows about Chinese culture except for Mark, so they kind of give him a crash course. Um, so, General Gao arrives with his wife and son, and they're like wearing cowboy hats and stuff like that, I guess, to try to make themselves like Americans, you know, to make them feel comfortable. They Everything looks really good, but unfortunately dinner doesn't go well um, then General Gao suggests they share this bottle of liquor that he brought and he tells his one guy he's like three drinks and they'll get whatever we want so there's lots of drinking then Mark at one point starts talking about their kids because uh, Aaron was like you know talking to General Gao's son or something like that at dinner and he's like this little kid and, and you know she was like really good with him mark's then you're talking about everything like that um oh because i guess general gals his his son told him he's like you may be the general at work but you're not the general at home so you know they can kind of relate to having kids and stuff like that so to mark's like why don't we just agree to split you know this 50 50 you know for the next generation and and everything like that so aaron and brad are watching because they're supposed to see like when mark hits his limit they're supposed to stop him then aaron um she's like realize that he's he's about to he starts saying something but then aaron zooms gets him out at her and in general he also like passes out drunk um then on the way home so aaron's driving uh mark tells aaron he's like oh i'm so proud of you and everything like that and then at, at home he's just saying like, i'm just gonna lay down on the couch and and he's like i don't give you enough credit and he's like i probably won't remember any of this but you know and she's like that's okay and she, you know he's like out and she's like i'll remember this so it's very sweet Episode four, Europa Project. So Mark um, pushed to get part uh, on a Europa Project. So it's one of uh, Jupiter's moons. NASA, unfortunately, is going to be handling most of it. So they are to prepare an in-depth PowerPoint presentation on astronaut defense. So they'll need uh, the crew to be prepared to kill any sort of alien life form they might meet and the Secretary of Defense laughs he's like it's incredibly unimportant but it's it is important to you because if you mess up you're all effed so Tim Meadows Angela and Chan are in bed then he's confused you know she hit him up at three in the morning and she's like this is all I have the bandwidth for and she's like what and like she gets up and you know she's been she throws like clothes out the window he's like what are you doing and she's she mentioned before she like I can't even do laundry she's like my clothes get dirty I just throw them out the window and I buy new clothes. And then, you know, she's, and she's playing drums all the time. So it's like four in the morning and she's just playing drums and, you know, he Chan wants to talk about it. And she's just not, not hearing any of it. Aaron is, um, so she, Aaron's been hanging out there a lot, which is weird, but it's good for her to, to be part of the show. So she's interning there and she's actually interning for Brad. And at one point Mark's like, well, everyone here is like, why'd you pick, you know, Brad? And she's like, he's the least intimidating of everyone. whatever. Chan convinces Tony, um, to be like his hype man with Angela because you know he doesn't know what's going on and he, so he wants uh, Tony to find out and you know to pump him up. So they they talk and stuff like that and then she basically decides to end things. So she wants Tony to tell Chan. Mallory convinces uh, you know since they're supposed to be being creative and doing stuff like that. He convinces the scientists to pull pranks around the office, and it ends up with a they put like a Mentos like hanging on a thread in, in Marks soda he's talking to secretary of defense. And then when he opens it, it like drops in and it like explodes. And then he gets like mad and everything like that. You know, he yells at them that he's like, this isn't funny. Mallory finally gives the manual, you know, the presentation, Mark read it, but then they're like, well, what do you think of it? And Aaron's like, uh, he just went to like sub basement six or something like that. And they are like, what, you know, what's, why is he down there? So they go down there. So Mallory, Aaron Chan, and, um, this is the other scientist. Uh, I forget the other scientist's name. They go down there and they see there's like a alien on a gurney marks there when there's like this dude in like a hazmat suit. And then, um, it kind of like zaps it and it like comes to life and it, it reached up and it starts like choking Mark. The the dude in the hazmat suit just like takes off, runs past them. They're freaking out. They're like, Oh, and then they, it's a prank. Brad's like in this alien costume and Aaron was in on it to get him down there. So Mark and Mallory return to the office. Um, there's a file there, and he laughs. He's like, oh, here we go. And he reads over intercom. He's like, oh, no, it's divorce paper. Like, oh, it looks so real and everything. Like, what am I ever going to do? I'm going to be a single dad. Ha, ha, ha. It turns out it's real. And then he, he realizes that. Then he starts like sobbing, and the intercom's still on. Um, <laughs> episode 205, Mad Buff Confidence. So Aaron comes home. She went out to dinner with Matt. I guess his name is Jerome. She's like, which I was like, who's Jerome? So she went to the Mallory's and, and Mark says that, uh, she's like, well, you said you'd be home early. You have an interview tomorrow with Colorado college or something like that. Mark, uh, video chats with his wife, Maggie. Um, she's like, well, I can't be there to help, you know, prep Aaron for her interview because you know, I'm here in jail. And so she's mad and stuff like that. Mark, uh, meets with the, this lady for this energy drink about funding, you know, there there's going to be this like battle bot tournament with like the the school or something like that, uh, and this energy drink is going to like sponsor it or something like that. And you know, they're talking about like maybe doing more stuff with space force and stuff like that. So they would contribute three hundred thousand dollars. And Tony talks to Mark later, he's like, he's like, you know, maybe we can make this more than a one off deal. So, you know, he wants to show sec def, is what they call secretary of defense, that, you know, they can bring in more money, you know, whatever, and, you know, really make themselves kind of matter. So it's not just, they're not just like taking all the money, they can actually contribute something like, you know, maybe they would like match their funds or something. Um so the the BattleBots tournament's going to happen. Uh Angela and Chan are taking part, you know, they're mentoring and they're working with some kids or something like that. And things are still like tense between the two since they kind of broke up and, you know, whatever. Aaron's nervous about her interview. Angela and Chan argue, you know, while their students are are fighting whatever. Interview starts. Um, you know, Aaron's on like a video interview with with her whoever the interviewer. Um Mallory and, and Brad Pop and you know they're all there and she and she's like, "Oh, you have three dads." And she's like, "No, whatever." And so after you know they're they're sitting outside waiting for the interview to be over, then she comes out, Aaron tells Mark she's like, "I well, I think we can ca- cross Colorado off their list." And she just like like walks off. Energy Lady shows uh Tony to add that they prepped and it's like it's kind of like over the top and makes Mark kind of look bad and like, blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, eyes glowing and, you know, just energy drink and just like really weird. So Mallory, um he told Mark, he's like, well, I know someone at the college. So I'll, I'll call and, you know, find out how it went or something like that. So the dude says it was like the most impressive and confident interview they've had in the past 35 years. You know, she was really, was like just really, she did really good. Tony shows Mark the ad and he's like, I won't approve it. And he shows Mark the one that he prepped. It's like really boring and typical or whatever. And Mark's like, well, I assume that it's going to hurt our partnership with the Mad Dog. And Tony's like, well, then, you know, maybe it's not the partnership for us. So while, like, Tony before would have been all about, like, the money and, the, the you know, just doing it, he's, like, he's growing. Episode 206, a doctor's appointment. There's a meeting for the Space Force Anthem. You know, they're, they're trying to come up with the music. So Mark, his idea is, like, to play a fife, which is, like, a little flute. Mallory just wants just like a noise he's you know it's just like a rumbling noise he's like most tv shows don't even have themes these days which is like Space Force all it is is just like rock is like or something like that uh Tony got Wilco the band Wilco to play they're listening to it they're like wait what so they thought Space Force was people who managed like store spaces in your home but he didn't correct them so it's just like kind of weird lyrics Tony wants to talk to Mark uh, he has a doctor's appointment, but he doesn't want anyone to know. So Tony thinks that that's code for looking for another job. So then he talks to Angela. They should be looking for new gigs because Space Force is gonna is gonna be extinct. Mallory tells Chan that SpaceX is looking for a new chief scientist for a new project. He told him that he wouldn't even consider interviewing if they didn't um, take the two of them as a package deal. Brad goes over Mark's schedule. Um, they have the photo for time magazine that they, he's like in pain or something like going on. Oh, the, the doctor he went to was like for like a therapist or something like that, but he's like, nope. So he's like, that's not going to work for him. So he's in some sort of pain. Mallory comes in. He's like, oh maybe it's a kidney stone. Cause he's like, what'd you have for breakfast? He's like, what I always do like steak and eggs. And so it's probably like poor diet and something like that. Um, Aaron is in the control room. just like doing like small tasks. You know, she's like cleaning all the keyboards, whatever. And then, um. Lancaster the Patton Oswalt character's calls from Jupiter mission but it's like what the annoying thing is like there's like no lag it i i mean i think i don't think they could talk like maybe I, maybe they can talk i don't know but he's he doesn't know who she is He's like, oh I don't care i just like I just want to hear a human voice and he's he's so he sells note admissions canceled so she's like well what do you want to talk about he's like well you know just tell me about yourself and she's like well my dad is definitely mad at me for doing some day trading with stocks online you know with their college because oh she found out because they when they had the the battle bots thing there's like flavored ice cream he's like oh i thought we only had a budget you know, i told brad just to get vanilla she's like oh i kicked them a couple hundred bucks from my stocks when you know because i had a good day so he's not happy um so she and lancaster's like oh did you lose you know the college fund and she's like no i actually made fourteen thousand dollars but you know her, her dad said it was too easy it was almost like stealing so lancaster's like oh it just sounds like he's concerned and then she's like i think that you know he's just worried i'll end up in prison like my mom and Lancaster's like, oh, my mom is in jail too, and she's like, what'd she do? And he's like, she sold fake Estee Lauder products, and she's like, you can go to jail for that. Mallory and Chan, they talk to the the lady, you know, at SpaceX, but they have to. They're going to do like some VR thing or something like that, but they have to find sign a virtual NDA. So they put on goggles and so they can sign this thing. Mallory's having trouble adjusting. You know, he's like all discombobulated or whatever. And he's actually like almost vomiting. He's just like sticks his head in the garbage can, like he's like throwing up or whatever. Uh, at the Pentagon, the generals meeting. So this is the other impressive thing like the, the who they got for the, the general. Like you have uh, Patrick Warburton, you have. Um, Diedrich Bader, you have, um, I forgot the other guy's name, and then um, I forgot Sue Silvestri. <laughs> what's her name? Anyways, so Mark's running late. Then when he comes on the screen, Patrick Warburton's like, Hey, what's, what's happening at Space Force? All right, nothing because they have your budget. So they're like giving him a hard time. He's in pain because of his kidney stone. He doesn't know what it is, but they think it's because of sex or something like that. And he's like, No, 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 whatever. And then they start talking about all this inappropriate stuff. And Lancaster he now he's having Aaron eat a bunch of food and describe it because, you know, he's like not eating anything. And, you know, he's just like drinking pee is like recycled pee. He's like, it doesn't taste like pee. It just tastes like, you know, plastic bag or it's, I forget what he said. It's time for the picture. Mark's still missing. He's like stuck on the stairs. He, he so he, he does have a kidney stone and it's because of his bad diet. And it's like re- a really big kidney stone. Um, Aaron is, is, uh, she's still talking to Lancaster. She's like rustling this big branch. She's like, can I stop now? My arms are tired. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, thanks. He's like, I don't feel like killing myself anymore. And she's like, you were thinking that. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I just get so lonely. He's like, you know, just make, make sure you take some time for your yourself. You know, you matter and stuff like that. So it just like gets her thinking about like the whole college thing and everything. The Mark's trying to pass the stone, but they have to like break it up or something like that they have to go through his urethra or do some stuff. Cause he can't just pass it normally. And Mark like, wants to see like what you know the doctor saying on his screen. And he's like, just, you know, Airpl- airplay mode it to, you know, Mallory's phone so I, I, I can see. And he's like, I still don't see it, whatever. Of course, Brad sends it to the big monitor in, in the control room. So they're all looking at it. it's it's nasty. <laughs> so SpaceX calls Chan. They want him to join just him and not Dr. Mallory. Because they're like, you know, he probably wouldn't be a good fit for the office. So it's time for the picture. Now the weird thing is so this is Time magazine. Who's on the cover? They have Mallory. Mark and Aaron in the front row, Angela Chan, Brad and Tony in the back. seems like a very odd choice to represent the entire. I mean, I guess they have someone from every department or whatever, but it's like weird that it's only the main actors. And then, and, and the fact that they have an intern on the cover, but then what it is, uh, the magazine, when they show it, it's like space force. Is it worth the cost? And then, uh, the end credits have like the fife, the little flute thing playing. Then, uh, episode 207 so this is the last one the hack so tony facetimes his dad he mentioned his dad's actually john lovitz and his his dad is harsh with him you know he's he's mad at him because he interrupted him while he's golfing or whatever and um so he ends up like hanging up on mark on on tony later whatever mark calls a sec def about the possible pay raise for for some of them um but it turns out it's the it's been four months and today they have the committee hearing so he's like, well, I, I think if, you know, if they could get, you know, pay raise, it could help some people from, you know, trying to, you know, think about getting, an, you know, another position somewhere. Chan is, is nervous uh, around Mallory because of the SpaceX call. Chan finally tells him that they offered him the job and Mallory's like, oh, you should take it. You know, it's five times the pay and half the bureaucratic BS. And then he's like mad and, you know, he's like cursing under his breath. He goes to the vending machine and it spits out like several packs of peanut m So he's like, oh. Aaron, um, it turns out she wants to take a gap year abroad and, you know, she like wants to go to Portugal or something like that. Mark is like trying to talk her uh, against it, obviously. Then suddenly a sprinkler over Brad's desk goes off. And then, you know, he's like, Oh, it's, it's so weird. And Mark's like, just go, you know, go get a mop and a bucket. Tony's like down in, in some, you know, storage room or area. And he's, he's like smoking a joint, talking to sister because she stole his idea for a present, you know, like this golf shirt or something for her dad's birthday. And then, uh, um, she's like well whatever you know it's like we're going to Disney World and he's like oh, I wanted to go and she's like that's that's too bad or so it, she's like something uh, and she's like oh it sounds like you're you know what you're you're accusing me of stuff she's like and as a lawyer you, you got to watch it and whatever so Brad comes down and he tries like hiding to he's like oh look what I found on the floor is like work and then Brad's like can I take a hit of that so then um, Tony says not to tell Mark but you know he got a job offer for Addison Ray's new makeup line or something like that you know being PR for them and it turns out that there is a, a satellite acting up before too. It was like over Russia when this happened, so it needed to get it looked at because if it falls on something, that could be embarrassing. It could cause like a big incident. Angela tells Chan before he hears it from someone else that she's thinking of moving on from space force. So she might do some like cool real estate something. Cause like her and Tony went to like some seminar before too. I don't think I had anything to do with real estate, whatever. Or, you know, she might go you know to Hawaii and do helicopter tours again or something like that. Then he's like, Whoa, he's like, I'm thinking of, of leaving too. He's like, you know, it's SpaceX called, you know, and then they're each like, well, you're not leaving because of me. Right. And they're like, no, no, whatever. Aaron is uh, eating <laughs> M&Ms. So somehow she got a bunch of because, you know, Mallory's like, "Yeah, oh, the vending machine's giving out free M&Ms. She's like, oh, but he like got them all. So I don't know how she got some. But then Mark and Mallory talk, um, you know, they're like, you know, could the Russians have hacked the satellite? Because, you know, it happened like right when when the satellite went over Russia. And then like the shutters closing and then the lights dim. Then Aaron's like, oh, the Wi-Fi is down. So Angela and Chan get stuck in the elevator, of course, and um she's starting to freak out you know she's have a panic attack by being trapped in an elevator mark talks to everyone they're in the control and he's like oh we're not sure what happened maybe it's a power surge but he has like a pad of paper that says shh and he's like you know flipping pages he's like the russians hacked us they could be listening through our computers so tony writes down he's like what about our raises and mark draws like a angry like general face so the russians they think that the russians want to crash the satellite to embarrass them mark thinks that they could use the fact that they can hear them to lie you know lie to trick them and exaggerate the impact of the hack so they're like going to put on a play or something like that angela's like starting to heat up and you know she, again she can't handle being trapped in, in the elevator the others, so they put on their play about the satellite, and they say it's like, oh, but the satellite has some radioactive plutonium, something. You know, it could be bad if it crashed on Russia. And they're like, oh, you know, the Chinese must be hacking us. You know, sort of trying to say all this stuff. Chan manages to calm Angela down, and then you know she's like, you know, I, I just wish we could wipe the slate clean between us. And then they like kiss. So they are able to get back onto the satellites, you know, power comes back on. So maybe if the Russians were hacking, they kind of bought into it. So they're going to recalibrate the satellites, but then there's a Microsoft auto update. (laughs) which thank goodness I don't have Microsoft anymore and it's going to take like 49 minutes, but they only have 11 minutes to do it. So Mallory has to do a calculator by hand and, and Mark's like, okay, he's going to try to do this. And it might take-. and he's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> so he figured out like right away. Chan has to control the satellite by hand using a uh, keyboards, like, like four keys, but he can't really do it. And it's like going all, like, all over the place and spinning everything like that. Angela is able to come on and she's able to stabilize it. Then Mark's like, this is the best team. It's like, while we're together, we can do anything. But, Angela and, you know, they, they want to tell him that they're all leaving. So, uh, Angela comes in a waiting room. Tony's already there about, you know, his job offer. Mark is talking to the secretary of defense. And t- so Tim Meadows, he's like, you know, I fought it as hard as I could, but ultimately I was overridden so congratulations because <laughs> he was like trying to fight against he wanted the Secretary of Defense wanted to shut down Space Force so Mark says thanks he's like I'm sure my team is going to appreciate the raises in a new mission and then Tony comes in and Mark tells him that they got the raises and he's like all of us and he's like because you know then he's like what did you want to talk to me about and then Tony just turns around and walks out then Angela comes in and Mark's like it's like, oh I've been meaning to give you something so he, he gives her an envelope so like, just read it at your, just at your discretion And she's like, thanks. And she's like, I just want to let you know I'm leaving Space Force. She's like, ever since the moon, I've been thinking it's time for a career change. She's like, so I'm going to Hawaii. Um, And she's like, you know, he's like, okay. And she's like, she's confused. She's like, I I thought you'd try to convince me to stay or something like that. You know, I saved a satellite and all that. And I thought you would tell me that I'm not the type of person to quit. And he's like, if I would have said any of that, would have changed your mind? She's like, no. And he's like, then, you know, good luck to you. She's like, Okay, you'll get my letter of resignation by the end of the day. And then when she leaves, softly, he's like, You did a very good job. So she goes out, you know, down the stairs, whatever, and she like reads a letter for her actions and all this stuff, whatever, she's promoted to rank of major. Mark and Aaron are driving home and so it looks like the team's gonna stick together, except for maybe Captain Ollie, Angela and, and Aaron. And she says, like, Oh, you know, I'm I'm definitely taking a gap year. He's like, Yeah, I get it. You know, you gotta spread your wings and all that. But she's like but I'm not going to Portugal though. And she's like, I'm going to go work in forestry. Then he's like, Oh, he's like, Oh, if you're, well, if you're going to the Amazon, you gotta make sure you get all the vaccination stuff. She's like, no, she's like, I'm going to Colorado. She's like, that's where the U S forestry Service is. And he's like, I thought you hated Colorado. And she's like, yeah, it's not my favorite place, but you're here. So, and he's like, he starts getting like teary. And she's like, Oh, you're such a softy. So that was very sweet. Next day, um, he sees Angela. He's a Captain Ali. He's like, I haven't received your letter of resignation. And she's like, actually, it's Major Ali now, sir. And then he talks to everyone. He's like, you know, we've made some friends in Washington. And they've given us a little present, a new mission. He's like, we are now part of the American strategic defense plan. We have sole access to the Hawaii telescope. He's like, so NASA no longer has access to it. And then there's like something on the screen. They're like, "What's that?" And Mark's like, "Oh, it's probably just a smudge on the lens." And Chan's like, "No!" And he like they like zoom in. It's like that's an asteroid, and it's getting bigger, and it's headed towards Earth. And then Mallory starts singing Kokomo, of all song. and then everyone starts singing Aruba, Jamaica, and that's how it ends. So we need another season. Are, are, are you going to be able to stop the asteroid? <laughs> And, and what's gonna happen with Captain Lancaster? Is he still going to Jupiter or not? Uh, so I mean it's it's a fun and if you were if you're not watching the show, that was probably like a horrible description. And but I, I like it. It's not the funniest show. I mean it's not quite the office, but I just you know, I, I like the characters and I, I think it's it's kind of fun and everything like that. So that was season two of Space Force on Netflix. All right, with Servant season three, episode six fish and I, I i don't know if i've said it before but it's always fun when you, know, you see that the title of the episode is like okay what is this gonna have to do with with this so it starts off sean is uh is praying in front of the window we see him so it's like okay uh, he's actually doing that he's talked about going to see this minister or whatever leanne's like having nightmares about being attacked in the park and then Dorothy just like rudely opens the, the curtains and wakes her up and then she's like oh are you you feeling well you know it's, it's almost noon so she's like so i guess okay fine you know maybe she's got to do some stuff around the house but she's like oh i'm fine and she's like i'll, I'll get dressed and and Dorothy's like oh no it's okay because it's sunday but then it's like then why'd you wake her up so she's like oh i'm proud of you she's like you ventured out last night and guess what nothing bad happened it's like um i don't I think something did happen, but we still don't know at this point, we don't know, so Sean's like reading to Jericho and he gets a phone call, so you know he puts puts Jericho down and he's talking on the phone he's like he says that he's flattered, but it's just not a good time. Dorothy comes in and kind of scolds him because he put Jericho down. she's like he's literally shrieking, it's like he wasn't, and he's like <laughs> Sean's like. Uh, you know, he's like, I was on a phone for literally two seconds. And then she's like, with whom it's, it's like, Oh my God, Dorothy's like really like something. This, this episode, he's like, Oh, it's just work stuff. She's like, what work stuff? And she grabs his phone and she's like, who's Taylor producer lady. And he's like, Oh, it's a lady from gourmet gauntlet. And then she kind of goes wide. eyes, like, do they want you to be a guest judge? This is huge. And then he, he says, like, no, they want me to be on the next season. He's like, you know, they're going to bring the show to the Philly. And she gets, like, high-pitched. She's like, again, this is huge. So it's, it's almost like I, I was kind of wondering, it's like, is she really happy for him or is she not? But I think she was. And she's like, you know, what's with the secrets lately? And he's like, well, I just didn't want you to worry. And she's like, why would I worry about your success? And then he answers that, you know, he's he's not going to do it for the family. kind of looks at Jericho. And she's like, well, you have to do it. And then she's like, does, does this have to do with the whole God thing? So lady, uh, late, later, Dorothy's hands are like full of dirt. She's like outside. And then she's, she's like standing in a doorway, in the back doorway. And she's just like bellowing for Leanne. She's like, Leanne! It's, it's like... And then, then Leanne's helping her, dragging like dirt and stuff around in, in the back, like the little, little porch area. And she's like, oh, you're a lifesaver. <laughs> and then she's talking about how Sean wants to pass on the show and she mentions a minister lady and, you know, that, that she's coming over and Leanne's like, oh, I didn't know about her either. And she's like, oh, because, you know, he, he, she didn't know her, his secrets either. Sean's in, in, in the basement. He put a couple of planks like across the, that hole in the basement that they can't fill up. And he's like trying to measure and stuff like that. And then Leanne comes out and says that, you know, she heard about the new job. And, you know, she's like, well, I'm, I'm here now, so it'll be different. So he can do it. And then she kind of just so, somebody like bridging, building bridges or like that. And she like kind of jumps sort of like on a plane and it kind of makes him fall off. And then she's like, oh, sorry. And she like darts off. So it's just like kind of awkward and weird. Sean's praying some more and then he gets startled when he opens his eyes because Dorothy's like right there and she has like some mass goop on her face and she's like, oh, trust me. She's like, this is scarier, referring to him praying. And he's like, well, hopefully you'll get used to it. And she's like, what, my husband being a closet altar boy? It's like way to be supportive or whatever. It's like, it doesn't matter if you don't believe in it. It's like, then he asks if Leanne is, is acting weird. She's like, when isn't she acting weird? Then he asks her to, he's like, well, can you be nice when Nancy comes to dinner? She's like me. It's like, I'm a little lamb. He's like more like you're a wolf. And then she brings up the TV job again. And it's just like, he doesn't want to talk about it. So Dorothy's planning later the next day, whatever, to take Jericho for a walk, trying to get Leanne to go and everything like that. So Leanne reluctantly goes, she's at the park, her arms are crossed and you just got a big jacket on. And then she kind of stares at a couple tents with like the beggar kids. And then she's thinking back to getting pinned against a tree by that, that couple that was in that tent with the blade. And like one of the couples like, we know what you've done. We know what you are. And like slam her against the tree again. So then um, she's back back out at home. She's like sitting on the floor in in her room in a ball. And then she goes to the bathroom and then she looks in the mirror. She's like, you're safe now. Act like it. Then we see Dorothy outside in the garden again. The beggar boy kind of walks in the gate and like startles her. And he's like, is she home? And, you know, talking about Leanne. And she's like, no. And he's like, well, can you check? And she's like, no, I won't check. And she's like, you're on private property. And then she kind of grabs like the shovel handle. that's like in the dirt. And he, he like turns and leaves. Julian comes over. You know, Le- Leanne answers. She's like, oh, is your hair different? And she's like, oh, you know, curls or something like that. And she's like, Vera's not coming again? She's like, why? He's like, how should I know? He's like, I'm not a mind reader. <laughs> he's like, well, isn't it it's like your girlfriend? It's like, what's going on there? He mentions uh, the God Lady coming or something like that. Leanne says, that, you know, oh, I can't wait to meet her. And he's like, oh, is, is that jealousy? Is he's like, is she stepping on your holy turf? So Dorothy is like grabbing a bottle and you know, or something like that. You know, got a bottle of wine and she hears a laundry machine and then she's down there. Must I do everything? It's like, oh my god so she's like pulling out the laundry and she sees like blood on the overalls and she's like really confused and she puts them back in the, in the machine then we see julian sitting at, in the kitchen eating like leftover like spaghetti and he's, he's like oh i'm just priming or something like that he looks at sean's um it might have been his his tablet or something so he looks at something because he got a text and he's like taylor producer lady and sean's like you know he kind of takes it he's like you and your sister need to learn boundaries and then he's like, why well, can't can't do the show or whatever and because he, he he mentions it. I guess Dorothy had talked to Julian about trying to convince Sean to do it because Julian but Julian says, but you can't do it because it, it could be like last time and you could wake her up from her sleeping beauty her sleeping beauty routine or something like that because when Jericho died and all that stuff that she might like remember what actually happened. So Dorothy's actually upstairs because he's like, where is Dorothy?" So she's upstairs, she's checking the, the security footage from the night before. She sees Leanne run to the house being chased by the couple. She sees her like trying to close the door and then like shoving, you know, forcing her way in. They run through the house, run out the back, and then, you know, and you can see like the time code. So she kind of like fast forward. And then you see Leanne slowly walk back, like 19 minutes later. So it's like, what the heck happened? Nancy, um, the minister lady knocks on the door, and Le- Leanne's like kinda just like leaning against the wall in the living room and just doesn't like, She like, lets her knock a few times. And finally she answers it. And she just like opens the door a little bit and it, it's kind of like chilly outside. And, but she doesn't like let her in and she just kind of talks. And then Leanne just like walks away. So never just invites her in, just like leaves the door open or whatever. So Nancy comes in, then Leanne's like sitting in a dining room and Nancy walks in. And she's like, Oh, are the others in the kitchen? And Leanne's like, you should wait in here with me. So it's things are just very tense or whatever. You know, Nancy's all like smiling and stuff like that. And then Sean walks in. You know, he's puts like some wine glass on the table. He's like, "Oh, when'd you get here?" He's like, "Like, why didn't you tell me?" Or you know, why didn't you come get us? And she's like, "Well, you were busy." And then Dorothy comes down the stairs and she's like, "Oh, hey, welcome to our home." And she's like, "Leanne, can I have a minute?" So Dorothy's like, "What's going on?" She's like, "I saw the security playback." She's like, "Why didn't you tell us?" And Leanne asks, "She's like, have you been watching me?" And Dorothy's like, "No. Well, yes, just once." And Leanne's like, well, I don't want, want you to worry. And Dorothy's like, what's with everyone worried about me worrying? She's like, it's my job to worry. And she says that she, uh, people chase her through their house. She's like, did they hurt you? And, you know, were, were they with the cult? The, 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 and so she's like asking all these questions. Then she's like, is that homeless boy one of them? She's like, what if you had Jericho with you? And Leanne's like, it's okay, Dorothy. And she's like, it's not okay. And then you're, she's like, you're just in shock. And she's like, oh, and I made you go to the park. She's like, you must be terrified. And Leanne's like, I'm not scared anymore. And she's like, I'm just not ready yet. And she's like, not ready for what? And then Julian knocks on door and interrupts before Leanne can answer. He's like, well, you left me out here with, with Sean and the god lady all by myself. He's like, can you come save me? It's like, whatever, dude. It's like, why are you even there? It's like he's always there. He's got no, no life. It's like, no wonder your girlfriend doesn't want anything to do with you because you, whatever. At the table, Sean's like, the fish is an, this is why it's called fish. The fish is an important symbol of fertility and transformation for many people throughout time. So I prepared several dishes, you know, for us to explore. And he's like, this is a little more stripped down to my usual style. There's no flair or whatever. Then he asked Nancy, Would you like to, to try the first one? And she's like, I'm a vegan. I thought you knew. It's like, wouldn't she like really make that clear? Uh, Apparently not. Then Sean's like, oh, I'll whip you up something. So he like leaves right away. So then Dorothy's like, asked her about her background. She's like, oh, do you have a PhD in theology? And Nancy's like, no. She's like, I have a master's in divinity. And Dorothy's like, a master's so much quicker. Good for you. And she gets up to go, go upstairs. And, and uh, Julian, he's like, Dorothy is a master in wasp lingu- linguistics. You just got roasted. And she just keeps smiling. So uh, then Dorothy's just kind of coldly, uh, or Leanne's just, just kind of coldly like staring at her. And she's like, not saying a word. So Dorothy, she closed all the shutters and the blinds in the house. She makes sure everything is locked. So she's, she's starting to get a little, little freaked out. Sean returns with a dish for Nancy. And then Dorothy says that you know she's like, "Oh, you should say grace." And Nancy's like, "No, you know I'm just a guest tonight." And then, then uh, Dorothy's like, "We'd be so honored." And Leanne's just like, "Grace." And then she like takes a chomp of food. And Sean's like, "Leanne, she's like that's so rude." And Dorothy's like, "Oh, she's just joking." And Leanne's like, "It's okay." She's like, "You know you haven't even opened my poopy wine." She's like, "It's like is a Jersey Trader Joe's that bad, or are you just a snob?" And then Sean looks at the bottle and kind of like taps and he politely says like. You could not pay me to drink this, and he kind of chuckles. And jillian's like, "But you could pay me, probably." So more talking and stuff like that, and then, you know they're like laughing about this elderly lady with flatulence that went up to the service or whatever. And then Jericho starts fussing because uh, Dorothy brought her down. And Sean's like, "Why did you wake him?" She's like, "Now he's going to be off his sleep schedule for the week." And she's like, "I just want him to be close." And then and she like looks at Leanne. Then Dorothy asked Nancy she's like you know what did what did you and Sean talk about during confession and Sean's like what you know he's like Apollo. and Nancy's like oh we don't do confession she's like I- i'm not into guilt and Leanne's just like staring at her then Dorothy's asked if she wants her to turn up the heat and she's like no i'm fine and Dorothy's like oh you're covered in goosebumps and then Dorothy picks up Jericho's floor off toy off the floor and she sees like Leanne's legs like vigorously shaking so then Nancy brings up uh, that Sean should take the job and she's like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And Julian's like, oh, your minister's quoting Wayne Gretzky. Nancy mentions that their keyboard board is flipped when they when he found out Sean was going you know, to her church or whatever. He's like, he can quote all your lines from last season. And Dorothy's like, last season? She's like, what are you talking about? And Sean kind of chuckles like, oh, she has the worst memory, especially when, you know, she's a little bit jealous. And Julianne nervously is like, she's forgotten my birthday three times. And Dorothy's a little confused because she, I guess she just doesn't remember that Sean was on the show. And then she's like, um, she's like, oh, last fall was a blur, whatever. So then Dorothy makes a joke about the fish and, you know, Sean's like, oh, don't quit your day job or whatever. And then Julian's like, well, maybe you should. He talks, he's questions about pairing fish with red wine. He's like, tuss, tuss, whatever." and Sean's like, oh, it, it pairs perfectly well with this, whatever. And he like kind of tosses his napkin at Julian, accidentally knocks over the bottle of wine and it spills onto Leanne's plate. And it like kind of makes the fish look bloody. So they're like, oh, so Leanne's thinking back the dude with the the, the couple that was holding her points like the knife and he's like you will return to him and then the beggar kids start pulling the couples off and then you just hear and you see like the dude is like dead on the floor and then the lady's like you must reunite and then they slit her throat with the knife so it's like holy crap so Leanne didn't go like crazy it's like all the beggar kids killed this couple and Leanne's just, like, kind of sitting at the at the trees, and you can hear them, like, kind of drag the bodies away. And then the beggar boy, like, kneels in front of Leanne. The others are just, like, standing there. And she's like, what do you want from me? She's like, I'm not like you. And, you know, the, the boy's like, we know. You said no to him, and you're still here. And she's like, aren't you with them? And the, the, the dude's like, not anymore. okay. Sean says that, you know, he's like, oh, this is the worst meal I've ever served. And Nancy's like, like oh, so I don't have to eat this hair in my whatever thing like that. And then Leanne's like, Mr. Turner's cooking isn't a joke. And then they say that, you know, Sean is uh, training her palate. And Dorothy, you know, she's like, we'd be lost without, you know, Leanne or whatever. And then you're like, she's spiritual too. And Leanne's like, not anymore. And Sean's like, well, that's news to me. Since when? And she's like, since I outgrew make-believe. And then Julian jokes, and Nancy's like, "Oh, you get one, we get one. Balance is restored, you know." Because now Sean is religious and Leanne's not. Then Nancy says, "She's like, you know, Leanne, you know, she's young and exploring. That's exactly what you should be doing." And Leanne sarcastically is like, "Thank you for your permission." And Sean's like, "Leanne," and Nancy's like, "Oh, it's okay, you know. Her, she's like, my path wasn't straight either. It's like no one's is." But then looking at Leanne, she she's um, says that yeah, I felt like I've always was always meant to return to him, which is like what the couple people were saying so it's like mm-hmm. and Leanne like scoff she's like I see you she's like you're, you're rotten inside and Sean slams his hand down he's like that's enough and Dorothy's like you know Leanne's been going through some things and Sean's like what things and Dorothy's like private things she's like you know maybe I'll just you know need some sleep or whatever and then Nancy's eyes are like locked with Leanne's so it's like is there something going on here and then she says, you know, she's like, of course. And to, to Leanne, she's like, oh, I meant no offense. And then she gets up. Sean's like, you don't have to leave, you know, the second. And she's like, it's okay. And she says to Leanne, she's like, I'm not sure if me being a minister is, is triggering for you, but I want you to know that my door is always open. If you ever want to talk about anything. And Leanne asks, she's like, anything? She's like, my secret and yours? Then Nancy's like, my secrets? And she looks concerned. She's like, Sean, what we say in prayer group is private. And Sean's like, I, I never said a word. He's like, I promise. And then she's like, thank you. And then she's like for a lovely dinner. And Leanne's like, did you like hearing her cry when you hit her? She's like, I think you did. I think you liked that. She was small. And Nancy's just like staring at her and like a, a tear goes down her eyes. And she's like small, like an insect. And Nancy's like, you, you can only focus on the good works you do today. And for that, you have to forgive yourself. And Leanne's like, God won't fix you. And then Nancy kind of like sobs. She's like, how dare you? You judge me? And Leanne whispers, be careful, Nancy. Some insects bite. Poof, you're gone. And Jericho starts crying. Nancy like gets up and leaves. And Sean's like, well, thank you, everyone. So Nancy's like at the door. She's undoing all the locks and everything like that. Sean's like, well, just wait, Nancy. And then she's like, get the F away from me. And she just walks out. So Julian then, you know, uh, Leanne's and like the greenhouse, the little shed or whatever, but outside Julian tells her, he's like, that was pretty intense. You know, he's like, are you okay? And she's like, oh, I feel actually pretty good, actually. And he's like, how did you know that Nancy was so naughty? And she's like, oh, I just guess. And then, you know, Julian looks up on his phone. He's like, good guess. He's like, Nancy was charged with assault against her own mother in 2012. And it's like, oh, and she was battling dementia at the time, too. And Leanne asks him, she's like, will you teach me to smoke marijuana? He's like, what? And then he like reaches for his tin behind like a, a pot. And he's like, oh, this is my old, old stash. So it's weak as heck. You know, it's perfect for you. And then, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't take any. Then he's like, so are, are we friends again? And she starts laughing. She's like, is that what we were? And then, uh, then the beggar boy's there. And he's like, whoa, dude, he's like, get the F out of here. And he looks at Leanne, and just ignores Julian. He's like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm fine. Thank you for checking on me. And Dorothy, Dorothy standing in the door with her arms crossed. Leanne, you should come in now. So I don't know what she jealous that she's talking to two boys or whatever. She tells Julian, she's like, lock the gate behind you. So she's basically telling Julian to go home. So Dorothy puts Jericho in a crib, and then like on a tablet, she or laptop, she's like watching Gourmet Gauntlet Show like with Sean, and she's like, has probably no memory of this, and she just like shuts it. Sean calls, calls up the Leanne because she's up in the attic and she's, uh, so she's probably a, a little stoned cause she's like eating Pringles and she says something. Then he's like, what was that down there? And she's like, Nancy sucks. And he's like, there's no way you could have known that story about Nancy. And he's, he's like, I thought we were on the same side here. And she's like, I'm always on your side. It's like, couldn't you just be on my side for once? He's like, we are on your side. And she's like, you're not, not like, and then Sean says that he's like, I believe in him. Even if, if you don't, you know, he brought, my son back to me through you and she's like god didn't bring back jericho he's like then who did she just gets up chomps on a chip and walks up to him she's like take the job sean it'll be fine and then she walks downstairs so she's like holy crap so like all the, the beggar kids were like freaking out it's like are they part of the cult and everything like that so apparently they used to be but they they left the cult and maybe they gravitated towards Leanne they knew that she was there, and that she escaped you know their clutches or whatever, but it's like, holy crap, they killed that couple, and that that was kind of hardcore, so I thought it's like did Leanne have like some crazy you know superpowers and just like obliterate them some that's why she had blood on her, but guess not so um that that was something, yeah so things things are just nuts. Okay, let's talk Severance. So I started talking about Severance last week because they, they – dro- the, yeah, last week's episode because they dropped two episodes last week. Uh, two weeks – you know what I mean. This last Friday they dropped episode three. I decided to make my life easier because it comes out on Fridays or Thursday nights, whatever Fridays. Everything is coming out on Fridays. My goodness. So it'll be easier if I'm a week behind. And because I'm so kind and generous, that gives you the extra time to watch it in case you don't get a chance for the weekend, right? Maybe. Maybe some 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 week I'll... I don't know if I'll, I'll get caught up with it, but it'll just make things easier. So last week I, I started, I, I did like the first five minutes of it. I talked about it. Um, the idea of severance is, is basically you agree to get like your mind severed. So when you're in the office, you don't remember anything of your personal life. And when you, as soon as you leave the office, you don't remember anything about work. you don't even know what you do p- pretty much. So it's kind of freaky in a way. And, and I, don't, I don't know, there's something kind of disturbing about it. It's, it's directed by Ben Stiller who, you know, he does, does an amazing job with it. And it's not really a, it's not a comedy. Maybe it's a really dark comedy, but it's it's kind of heavy in some ways, which you'll you'll see. So I'm gonna go through spoilers, talk about the first two episodes. I talked about it last week where it and I, I won't go through the whole thing again, but it, it opens with this woman lying on a conference table. She's you know, she just wakes up and there's this like intercom there. It's like asking these questions and and she's like, well, Where am I? What's going on? And then she realized, you know, like, what's your name? And she doesn't even know her name. And you know, she doesn't know like the color of her mom's eyes. And so she's freaking out. She wants to come out. And then the dude asking her questions at intercom, he opens the door. And he's like, oh, you got a perfect sore or whatever. So then it cuts to this the same dude, Mark, Adam Scott. He's like sitting in his car crying in, in, a, in like a parking lot. Then he kind of composes himself, goes into this big office building, and goes into a locker, changes shoes, changes his watch, puts in a, a different badge, because like his badge had his ID and he just has like a plain badge. He he goes to the, like this door. There's like a, a dude at the desk with like a kind of like a metal detector wand thing before he goes in the elevator. And then he he goes in there, he walks down down the hall. There's like all these crazy halls, like almost like a maze. As he's walking, he finds like like a tissue in his pocket. And it's probably from I'm I'm assuming it's from when he was crying and he's kind of confused why it's there and he just like throws it out. Then he sits at this cubicle, and there's like this big. It's it's really weird. It's this big room, like green. It's like, but there's only like four four little cubicles in this like in a square. Like boom, 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 right? Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and so he he. It's it, it's weird. In this in the middle of room, there's this second guy. His name's Dylan. He's sitting at his desk. And then this third guy comes, Irv Irving, he, you know, he's there. And then uh, Mr. Milchek, their their boss, he comes to talk to Mark. Oh, and the whole thing, I, I think I mentioned last week, it's almost like it's, it's not quite the 70s. It must be like the 80s. 70s, 80s kind of like vibe throughout the whole thing, even though the whole severance thing is kind of like, which is weird if you think about it. I'm trying to think of like on the outside world, like do they have cell phones? They must have cell phones, right? So maybe it's not. I just realized that after watching the two episodes that it's not. But the office is very, even like the way they look, like like uh Mark's hair and everything. So, anyways, Mr. Milchuk wants to talk to Mark. He takes him to this this lady, Miss Cobell, and he they tells Mark that the last time, time he saw her, you know, she was in a different office. He's like, oh, you know, might be good to compliment her on her her new new office. So whatever, you know, she doesn't like her office. Milchek plugs in in an intercom on her desk and she says that the board will be joining them remotely today. So he thinks it's because he's subbing for PD and he's acting as as a lead. He's like, but I've I've done it before or whatever. And she's like, PD is no longer with the company. So he's kind of confused. Milchek says that, you know, it's it's too bad because he liked their office uh, friendship which, you know, that seems a little weird. Then she asks Mark to put his key card on on her desk and she gives him a new one. And she's like, you're the department chief now. And then she's like, a handshake is available upon request, (laughs) which is like, okay. He's like, can I get a handshake? (laughs) So, you know, she gives him, and then um, she gives him like this binder with like duties and stuff like that. And he thanks the board and she's like, Oh, they won't be They won't be contributing to this meeting vocally today. So very strange things, you know, what what is going on here? So he's looking over the manual about talking to the lady. So this is the lady from the beginning. He, you know, he says he just wants to talk to her. He says that, you know, she's entitled to have all of her information presented. And, you know, so we're going to see that, you know, she's about to wake up in a conference room. So he starts reading the script and it's all written out there for him. So all the stuff that he's saying. And, you know, the door that she's trying to open is to this like little room where Mark and, um, was, I think Irving was was in there with him, and and he's like, she's not supposed to do that. So then it cuts to the part where she's like, that's a perfect score. She opens the room, and he goes in there, and he's like, it's like, oh, you know, I accidentally skipped the preamble, so that's probably why there's a disconnect because you know he he just like starts off like, who are you, and then he's supposed to, you know, he he, he didn't do that, which I talked about that last week. So she's like am I livestock? She's like, did, did you grow me? And that's why I have no memories. He's like, what? He's like, no, I assure you that we didn't grow you. And, and then, you know, do your nails and everything like that. Then she's like, what's my name? He's like, it's Heli, Heli R. And he tells her that, you know, she's, seem confused, but she's actually at her orientation and she's been hired for a position on the severed floor of Lumen Industries. And then she just like grabs the intercom off the table and she throws it at him, hits him in the head. She tries going at the door and he's like that lock. He's like, ah, but, but he's like, it locks from out, outside. So he, he goes to the end of the table and he like sits down tries to get, he gets her to sit again. He looks over to binder, like, you know, what is he supposed to say in the situation or everything like that? Because there's always, like, if they say this, you know, do whatever. But then he just, like, goes off script. He's like, my name is Mark. He's like, I woke up on this table a few years back. And then a voice asked him 19 times who was he, you know, who he was. And he said, he's like, I'd, I'd kill the voice, you know, if I get to your order. But he didn't. He's like, the voice belonged to Petey, who became his best friend. And he says that there's a life to be had here. She questions it. She's like, What do you mean? And he goes on script again. She tries taking a binder and they fight over it. And she's like, Let me out of here. And that makes it the second time. Because there they like something in the script says that if they ask three times, then you have to let them out or something like that. So then he, you know, there's like cameras in the room or anything like that. He's like, Ask me that again or whatever, you know, the let her out of there. So Mark and Heli walk down the halls. Then he takes her to a stairwell, which is like around the corner. He's like, okay. She's like, aren't you coming over? He's like, I, I, I can't watch you leave. So it's like, she's like, okay. So she goes through the door, but then she ends up like back in the hallway and she's like kind of confused. So she turns around, goes to the door and then she's in the hall again. And then we see her like a, a third and you know, Mark's just like standing around the corner. We see her like a third time. She like runs through the floor and she like falls on the floor. But then after a few seconds, she returns. So it's like, why do you know she wants to leave, but then she keeps coming back. And it's not like some weird warp thing where she, you know, we'll we'll see more about this later. So she asks Mark, she's like, Am I dead or is this hell? And he's he's like, No. And she's like, Why can't I leave? And he, he's like, You did, to the stairwell, but then you came back. She's like, I didn't. Then Heli talks to Miss Cobell. She gives her like a, a dish, or like a, you know, she's like, here, here's a video of the last which this is the last part of your orientation. So Milchek like sits her down in the TV or like in the, the big office room, whatever with the cubicles. And, you know, he puts a disc and she watches a video. So the video is just an empty chair. Then you hear Milchek uh, on the camera. He's like, take a seat. And he's like, She's like, I'm recording this video that will be shown to me in roughly two hours. She's like, I have, of my own free accord, elected to undergo a procedure colloquially known as severance. I give consent for my perceptual chron- chronologies to be surgically split, separating my memories between my mer- my work life and my personal life. I acknowledge that henceforth my access to my memories will be spatially dictated. So she's reading, you know, cue cards or like little note cards, but she's you know saying all this. I will be unable to access outside recollections whilst on Lumen's severed basement floor, nor retain work memories upon my ascent. I am aware that this alteration is comprehensive and irreversible. I make these statements freely. Then she, um, you know, so she, that was a whole video. So she, then she goes over to Mark Sess. She's like, so I'll never leave here? And he leans back. He's like, you'll leave at five o'clock. He's like, well, actually they stagger at exits. So it'll probably be like 5.15. He's like but you know it won't feel like it not to this version of you anyways. So she's like what if I have a family and he's like you'll never know. And she's like so I have no choice. He's like well every time you find yourself here it's because you chose to come back. And so she sits at her desk. Which is that's a whole weird thing. So now you know once you start working it's like you don't even what if you hate your job and you don't know because you have no recollection. You might think like oh man, things must be awesome, right? I'm getting a paycheck. Mark gets in the elevator. It's the end of the workday. It's 525. Goes to his locker. Changes watcher. You know, his watch takes a different badge. He exits. He finds an envelope on his car. It's like luminary stationery. It says, dear Mark, whilst, <laughs> they like whilst, whilst carrying boxes in a room today, you slipped on an overhead projector slide and, subs- and sustained a minor injury, minor blow to the temple. Enclosed, please find a VIP gift card to Pip's barn and Grill. And his grill with an E congratulations on the gift card. So he just like kind of touches his head. And he's, you know, there's like a bandaid aid under, and then he just drives. He, so he, as he's driving, you know, through the parking lot, he takes off his lanyard and he almost hits heli, you know, cause she's like walking and he's like, sorry. And she's like, maybe keep your eyes on the icy road. And she just keeps walking and she has flowers. So it's like, you know, she ha- doesn't, they don't even recognize each other. You know, they just spent like, you know, hours together. So he arrives home, looks like he lives at home. He has a beer, he watches TV, um, and then it's like the next day. So I guess maybe it's a weekend. He's like drinking again, whatever. There's a knock on the door. And a, then some lady's like, did you forget? And so it's his sister. So they're they're going to go to her place for dinner, but there's no dinner. It was just like some weird thing. And she's like, you owe me this for, for me being the better sibling, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like that. And she's like, it's also approaching the anniversary. So she thought that he'd want to be around people. And he's like, nope. So something happened to him because you know he's he's really not happy it seems like in his outside life so they arrive at at the house and and the, the dude i guess it's i don't know if it's her husband or i'm assuming it's her husband his name's ricken like i emphasize, th- like Is his name rick like rick ricken <laughs> so as there, there are some other people that are talking and and so part of the thing is they're not eating food because that kind of takes away from whatever and they talk about sustainability and environment whatever so they're just like kind of i don't know if they're just drinking water or like what they're doing but they're having this conversation or thing but then at, at one point um, Rickon mentions he's like oh mark underwent the severance procedure and they're like oh yeah they're like really surprised and his sister's like that's something that you know, maybe he should say himself, and he's like, "Oh, whatever." What? So it's just, just kind of weird there. After everyone leaves, but you know, she, his sister, Mark's sister, says that you know he's going to stay over since she's already there, and whatever. And I guess you know he's, I think he's been drinking or whatever like that. So he goes into, like the. She's pregnant, by the way. So there's three beds in the bedroom, and he's he's like you know sitting up in a race car bed. So Rickon apparently feels that kids go through three beds in their lives and changing them can have a harmful effect on their growth or something like that. So by presenting them with three beds upon birth, they can move across the room at their own rate. So it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And so, but now you you have this room and there's literally three beds. I, I'm assuming one was a crib because there's a race car bed and there, it looks like a, like a regular, you know, whatever twin bed. But it's like, you could have all this room, to play or whatever, but you it's its taking you know, whatever. <laughs> so, he, uh, Mark wakes up during the night. He goes to get some water. He looks outside and there's like someone standing in the shadow. Like, you, you know, you can barely see them. They're like wearing a suit. So he goes outside and it's like, an, it looks like an older dude or something like that. You can't really see. This car drives by with bright lights and then when the, the light like goes by, the guy's gone. So he tells his sister in the morning that, he looked at Mark weird like he knew him. So it's like maybe he was dreaming or something. Then he's at uh, Pip's getting his his free dinner. His neighbor, Mrs. Selvig, calls him because there's this argument about the, the trash bins. Because they, where they live, there's like a spot for your bins. And it's like recycling on one day and garbage on another day. And she keeps putting her bins in his spot or something like that. So he had called her earlier. So she calls him again about the garbage and the recycling bins or whatever. And then, you know, he's like, it's fine and stuff like that. And then uh, the business dude sits at a tel- to his table and tells him to hang up quickly. And then he's like, hi, kids, what's for dinner? Because that's what, um, what Milchik said when, or so, I think he said that at the beginning. Then Mark's like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's like, your voice is different here. He's like, it's worse. So he says his name is Petey. He's from work. And Mark's like, that's impossible. Everyone is. And then Petey's like, severed. He's like, He's like, I was severed. Mark's like, but it's it's pretty permanent. And Petey says that you know bypassing the implant wasn't easy. He had help. And Mark's like, asks if if he's unsecured and if he thinks that they're after him or something like that. And Petey's like, yeah. So he says, you know, they whoever is probably just Grainer, who's probably out there or right right now. So like, who's Grainer? We actually see Grainer later. So Mark doesn't know who Grainer is and know what he's talking about. And he's like, you know, they both know him. They don't like him. Then Petey slides a red envelope on the table. He's like, nothing down there is what they say. If something happens to me, the things I know need to stay known. He's like, I'd prefer it be by a friend. And he gets up and Mark's like, so we're good friends. And Petey's like, I'm your best friend and you're my very good friend. Uh, In the car, he opens a card. There's like a happy birthday niece, whatever. It's a letter to Mark. He's like, sorry about the card. You know, it's all I had. It's about them, you know, wondering what kind of men they were on the outside, what kind of monsters would put themselves in that place. And it happens to be, you know, they did it to themselves. So they're not monsters. They're not the real ones. If he doesn't want to know what's going on down there, he won't force it. If he does, there's an address on the back of the card. He's like, go alone and you'll find the beginning of a very long answer. So then he gets home, he puts the bins out, whatever. And then Ms. Selvig says, that, oh, she's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed about the mix-up with the bins or whatever. And then we finally see his neighbor. Mrs. Selvig is really Ms. Cobell, his kind of like boss boss. So it's like, what is going on? So that was the end of the first episode. The second episode, Half Loop, it goes back to when Helly recorded her video with Milchek. At this point, it's like, is Milchek not severed? Because you know he he was talking to her before, you know, doing the interview. He knows she did the interview. It's po- it's possible maybe he is, but I I get the strong. Feeling. I'm pretty sure he's not. And maybe I wonder if the same thing it must be true for for Miss Cobell. Why is she living next to Mark and going by a different name? So these are things that we have to find. So obviously this goes along with what PD is saying that there, there's something going on here. Helly he goes into room to get like the procedure done, and just so she hasn't even had the surgery. So they, this is uh, this this part was was kind of nasty. They they um they they tell her that it's not even gonna hurt. They slice into her head while she's awake, and you know they they cut her scalp. They pull the scalp apart, and that part right there, I'm like ah, and then you can like see like her 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 brain. And, and she's, they they start drilling in there. and it's it's not the smallest drill. And there's even like like bone dust on her brain, which is just like. Ugh. So then um, there's like this tube chip thing that they put. They're gonna insert into her head. They the needle goes in, and you see like there's like an X-ray screen like right next to her. She could almost look at it maybe out of side her eye if she wanted to. It goes like way down deep into like the middle of her head. And then as soon as the little thing is, like, let go, it, it kind of, like, these prongs open up. So maybe it's, like, the anchor it or something like that. And and then, you know, she closes her eyes, and she's kind of dizzy after it. She's, like, in a stairwell. And so it cut to, the, like, her trying to to leave. Milchek is talking to her into going back. He's, like, oh, why not give it another shot, whatever. And then we see, like, the third time she flies, you know, through the door and falls on the floor. And then she goes back in. And then you know she gets an elevator at the end of the day. Milchek is there and he gives her the flowers. He's like, hey, old timer, one day down. The fact that again this goes along with Milchek must have known that she wanted to leave. They didn't talk to him when you know she when Mark took her to the stairwell. But he somehow got there before them or took a different route because there's like all maze through the hallways. And he's standing out there talking her into going back in. But this just goes to show like why how she was coming back in right away so apparently when she goes through that door things like kind of click over so there must be some sort of sensors or something like that that when you you you're in the office area to confines whatever you don't remember everything because she doesn't remember being out in the stairwell it's like as soon as she stepped through that door she's suddenly coming back in so even though she was out there and turned around she just she doesn't remember that so Mark enters a workspace. Um, this must be like the next day, or whatever. He turns on the lights. Looks at a checklist of duties. He has to make. It's like this sucks being the 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 head. He has to make the coffee. Fill the soaps in the bathroom. Vac- vacuum the floors with a little like hokey thing. That's what they're a little called. Little, little handheld vacuum things. Um, he has to. He dusts like the control pads. Dust pictures and, and that are on her desk like pictures with three other guys. You know, and the, the other guys in, in PD. Um, then he takes the pictures off of everyone's desks and he hides them in a, in a top, like in a back shelf in a supply closet. Helly comes in and she's like, is it tomorrow already? And he's like, uh, it's actually, it's, it's Monday. And she's surprised. She's like, it feels like I never even left. So again, that's just like weird that, yeah, it's like you get an elevator and then it's like, you're coming back. So there's, there's like no like sense of time passing. So, that must make it feel like it's just like endless work. I, Even though your body is rested, I mean, oh, how, what would that be like on your mind? I didn't even think about that. So uh, Dylan explains to Helly, there's some like prize incent- incentive for meeting their goals. You know, you get these erasers and there's like finger traps. Um, and then like a hundred percent, you get a caricature, you know, drawn of you and he, he has a bunch in his, his drawer and he's like, but the, t- the top party is a waffle party so it's like okay mark sets up Helly's computer irv says that he noticed that he says to mark that he, he removed the group photos today and mark's like yeah we're taking a new one at heli's party but he's like he's like well the procedures the old ones should stay until it, you know they replace it and everything he's like, he really keeps pushing this and you know so irving's like this older guy um, mark explains to Hallie about the categorizing numbers on a screen. They don't really know what they mean since the data comes from upstairs. It's just, it's like old school computer, which, you know, make, again, makes it feel like it's, it's like early eighties or whatever. And there's just like a bunch of random numbers on the screen. So they don't know what it is. The data comes from outside, but there's a certain feeling you get that like, you know, numbers are like scary or dangerous or something, you know, that that's, you need to remove it or something like that. So she's like, am I trapped here? She's like, if I'm not happy, am I able to quit? So Mark sits back and he's like, if you're really unhappy, you can submit a resignation request with your outside self for review. And Dylan's like, yeah, good luck getting that approved. Mark admits that they do tend to be rejected. Plus, since this perceptual version of her only exists at Lumen, quitting would effectively end her life. Um, and, And so much as she's come to know it which is kind of weird to think about. So Mr. Milchick comes in with a little cart, like melon they or like, oh, melon bar, or whatever. And he's like, let's get this party started. So first, they, they're sitting in like chairs in a circle, like a ball rolls to Irving, and he asks to like introduce himself. So he says that he's worked there for three years. He's supposed to say something about himself. He knows all nine core Lumen principles, whatever. Then he rolls the ball to Helly. She's like, I've been here for like 10 hours total, and she's like, I don't know anything about myself. And then she tosses the ball of Milchek. He tosses it back. He's like, sure you do. And she's like, I, I don't. And she's like, I went home last night, but I don't know if it's to a home or if it's to an apartment. I don't know if I live with a family. So then Dylan cuts in and he he says that he likes to think his, his Audi lives on a riverboat. And she's like, Audi? And he's like, them on the outside. Milchek says that she actually saw hers yesterday on the video. And Heli asks if she could record something back for her. And Irving like chuckles at this. Milchek says a communication between um, the Audis and, uh, or the Innies, whatever, is pretty curtailed uh, with the Audis and the Innies, whatever. So she's like, Well, what if I write her a note? And Milchick says that the elevators are equipped with something called code detectors. And Mark's like, Yeah, they're like metal detectors for written symbols. So she's like, She's about to say something. And then Milchek. Asks for the ball. He's like, this is Helly. She's 30 years old. She's allergic to almonds and has weak enamel. At 5'6", she's the fourth tallest person in her office. And her hair is what we called shoulder length. <laughs> and he's like, and seeing her here with you all, I'd say she's most, she most de- definitely has a family. And then he rolls the the ball to Mark. So he says he's been with Lumen for about two years and he absolutely loves this game. Milchick's like, ha Nice try, pal. You said that last time. And he just kind of laughs. He's like, okay, I, I broke protocol this morning. I was dusting the old group photos with PD and it made me feel sad. And I'm worried that I won't be able to run MDR like he did. So that's like their department or something like that. So he said that he put them into storage, which he knows he's not supposed to do. And Milchick's like, thank you for telling me that Mark. And he says that he finds Mark's reaction sweet. He says it's puzzling that he'd have an outburst like this for Petey and not for, say, Carol D. Mark's like, well, we knew Carol D. was leaving beforehand. And, you know, her Audi filmed a thank you. Petey was just gone. He doesn't know if he's at some new job or if he's drunk on a beach or dead. And Milchik says, that's enough, please. And Mark just kind of like bows his head. Hell, he like squints her eyes at this like exchange. Like, that seems kind of harsh or whatever. Um, I mean, it wasn't. He said it like in a nice way, but it's just like very like okay, you know. Milchik says that this is a good time to remind themselves that things like death happen outside of here, not here. A life at Lumen is protected from such things. A great potential response from all of them for this is gratitude. He smiles and he he says, "Also, I think that that melon isn't getting any tastier." And you know, he's got this big like smile on his face. Dylan's like trying to choose like which melon balls he wants to put on his plate, whatever. Irving notices that um, his his pointer and like thumbnails are like black underneath. He has no no idea why because he doesn't know what he's doing on the outside. Then later, Mark tells Helly, you know, sorry for derailing her game, and she's like, oh, I thought I did that, but yeah, you made it way worse. You know, she's kind of joking. Then she asks, you know, how's it? How's he gonna find out about his friend Petey? And Mark says that he thinks Milchek made it pretty clear. And she's like, are you just gonna stop asking because our babysitter told you to stop? And he's like. You know Milchek is a nice man. When he says something, it, it's best to listen. Then it's time for a new photo. Milchek tells him to smile or something like that because they're going to be staring at this picture every day. And he's taking several pictures. And and Helly, she's like not smiling at all. She's just I you know I guess the idea of that. And she starts getting upset. And then she just like walks away. And Milchek asks, um, he's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "Oh, I I I just think." I'm not gonna work here anymore. She's like, sorry. And she, you know, she writes down on a piece of paper, and says I quit. So she doesn't want to do the file sorting thing or the never seeing the sun thing or the disappearing friend thing. Mark's like, We told you that they're code detectors. And she's like, she's like, how do you know that? She's like, have you tried? She's like, it, it kind of sounds made up. And she starts running to the elevator, you know, like walking past me. Mark's like going after her. And she gets in the elevator, but the door doesn't shut completely and this alarm goes off and the whole place starts like flashing with a red light. And then as Mark's going, this like door seals in front of him, like in in the hallway. And this other dude comes up to the elevator and Mark recognizes him as Mr. Grainer. So that's the dude that Petey mentioned. So the alarm turns off and the elevator's door opens and he tells her to come on out. Mark, he like knocks on the door or whatever. And he he tells Grainer, he's like, oh, I must have forgotten to tell her about the code detectors. He's like, you know, that that's really on me, whatever. And Grainer's like, it's on you. He's like, okay, you then let's go. So he takes Mark to this door. They go down this, like you know, through again corridor of hallways. So he goes through this door. There's this like long, dark hallway, barely lit. And it's it's supposed to, uh, outside. It says break room, and then Miss um, Cobell opens the door, and then we don't see what happens after that. So then we see like Mark on a date, and. Um, He's he's a little disheveled like he's it almost seems like he doesn't want to be there so I think his sister set this up and she said she's a midwife whatever he's drinking a bit he mentions that he's at at Lumen and she's like yeah so it's half the town and he's like and half of me you know he's like joking so he says that uh he's like a data historian there and she's like but so you have no idea who you work with or what it's like um she's like you could have a girlfriend in there and not know it and she's like you know you could get married and have kids and not remember your life for eight hours a day and he says that he thinks for some people that's the point again it's probably like something happened to him which is probably what led him to be severed so i'm wondering if he had a wife or something happened to his wife his family or something like that and then he's just like okay i just want to get severed and just just work so i don't have to think about all this so they're walking afterwards, and there's like a couple of people handing out flyers, and they're protesting, I guess, the whole severance thing or whatever. They say that they want to stop companies like Lumen for- forcing things like severance or whatever, and he kind of plays along with them. He's like, oh, they're forcing it now? And he starts getting rude and stuff like that, and the guy's like, severance is subjugation and you know, stuff like that, and his date's just kind of like looking at him. is like, oh, man, you're a little cuckoo or something like that. So then at home, you know, he's alone. He drinks a beer. He picks up the card that um, Petey gave him, but then there's a knock on the door. It's Mrs. Selvig with cookies as a peace offering about the bins. So I'm like, oh crap, she's gonna come in. She's gonna see the card, right? She's standing out there and she like, kind of like shivers a bit. And he's like, oh, why don't you come in? I have some milk or whatever. And then she like she mentions us like, oh, that third light bulb's out in the hall or something like that. And he's like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to 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 change that. So she leaves or she doesn't look at the card. She which is good because that would have been. Cheesy, but he goes in the garage to um, look for a bulb. He finds a candle in a container marked Gemma's Crafts. So, Gemma was probably like his wife or girlfriend or something. So, the next day, he's ready for work. He's in his car. He finds a flyer in his pocket from the, about the anti severance, whatever. So then he goes back inside. He grabs a, the card that has a address written on the back. He calls Milchek from the car. He's says, like, says he woke up with a very minor stomach event or something like that. He's like, you know, I'll, I'll be back in tomorrow. And they're like, oh, that's too bad. I know, you know, you're will be upset that you know you missed a day or something like that. So inside. Um, in the office dylan's making coffee irving's like where's mark and he's like oh yeah nice to see you too he's like he's supposed to be down here first and dylan's like he's probably just sick he's like they wouldn't do away with him and Petey in the same week then hallie comes in she's like did uh, she asked dylan she's like they fire mark for the note thing he's like oh no no way it's like he did a stint in the break room yesterday so it's like again what's what's up with this break room so milchek and grainer talked to cobell in her office about mark saying that he was ill you know could do they know that because she's going to know if he's home or not you know she's going to see his car is gone so i don't know mark um arrives at this rundown place and then and and back in the office dylan and hell are talking about the erasers and the files irving is kind of dozing off um dylan had made a comment up to him before about falling asleep and then uh irving sees like this black ooze like pouring over his cubicle walls and it starts a like going up over his hands on the keyboard and he screams and like wakes up and he's like, Oh, sorry. Cause you know, there's just cameras or anything like that. So Mark goes inside. It's like this old greenhouse. And then back in the office, Milchek tells Irving, you know, they're walking down the hall. He's like, we'll deduct the time you spent dozing from your Audi's paycheck. He's like, that will be harder to fix mine. And Miss Cobell's trusting you. And he apologized, whatever. And Milchek's like, Oh, you know, not to worry. You know, no one's hankering to put you in the break room. So they'll have Miss Ms. Casey do a wellness check. So Helly doesn't understand what she's doing with the files. You know, she was told that like, you know, the number would scare her, or give her feeling. Dylan's like you know, he's like not she's like, oh, cause she's like, oh, you know, there's a number. He's like, you know, don't play around. He's like, just be patient, you'll get it. And she's like, what do you think the numbers even are? And he says that things up there must be really horrible for them to sever their minds so there could be like plagues or famine or something like that. So he thinks that a, you know a desperate humanity would populate the sea so they would have to send probes to clean all the deadly eels and poop because they can't cohabitate with all that. So he thinks that the numbers they sense um, like the eels and all that and they tell the probes what to blow up. So she's like, is that the leading theory and Dylan's like no. He's like, Irv thinks that, you know, they're cutting swear words out of movies or we're cutting swear words out of movies. So Mark finds Petey and he asks him, you know, it's like, what are they actually working on down there? And Petey says that he doesn't know. They, you know, separate them from other departments, even with severance. So they don't even know how many people there are. So he's been reintegrated for two weeks now. He's been uh, like mapping out the floor and there's like a crew drawing, like on, on this like piece of wood. He says, So he says he hid the original for him when he left. And then Petey starts, like, he bends over and, like, kind of sobs in pain for a little bit. And he says that it's reintegration sickness. Mark's like, I've never heard that. He's like, that's because no one's had it before. So he says, he's like, oh, also, he's been living there in this old greenhouse, whatever. He says he can't go home. And Mark's asks, he's like, okay. He's like, what is it that happens down there that's so bad? And he says that, you know, there's a room that they go in when they don't act right and he takes out a tape recorder and it's mark saying please i'm sorry i truly am i'm sorry then you hear milchek's voice he's like you know please read the statement again so then mark says forgive me for the harm i have caused this world none may atone for my actions but me and only in me shall their stain live on i am thankful to have been caught my fall cut short by those with w- w- wise in hand all i can be is sorry and that is all i am and a milchek's like I'm afraid that you know you don't really mean it. He's like again, please. So then, Pete Mark starts saying it again. So then Pete turns off the tape recorder. He's like, "That's the break room." So that's um, that's pretty intense. Um, then we see Irv sitting in in like a waiting room. There's like this big like painting on a wall. It almost looks like like a religious painting of a dude with like a whip. He's about to struck like a, a goat headed person. And there's some other people. And then this other dude comes out of a the door. There's like two doors at at the end of the room. He's like, oh, I was just coming out of my session. It's Christopher Walken. Um, according to uh, you know IMDb, his name is Bert. Um, so Irving introduces himself. He says he's at Microdata Refinement. And then he asks, he's like, are you a department head? And Christopher Walken's like, well, you know, he's like, Optic and Design is a two-person job or two-person department. So he's barely a department head. He doesn't introduce his name or something like that. And, you know, he's, he's in, in charge of, he says that, that painting used to be in this other room and then he would always see it, but then they moved it and he was upset or something like whatever. So, um, then it's time for Irving to go in. So Ms. Casey dims the lights a little bit. There's like this big kind of like plant there and there's like bird song playing or whatever. And she calmly says that she wants to share some facts with him about his Audi. His Audi is an ex- exemplary person. Um, so, you know, enjoy these facts. They are not to be shared outside this room. His Audi is generous, fond of music, and owns many records. He is a friend to children and to the elderly and the insane. His Audi is strong and helps someone lift a heavy object. He attends many dances and is popular among the other attendees. His Audi likes films and owns a machine that can play them. His Audi is splendid and can swim gracefully and well. And he kind of chuckles and she's like, I'm sorry. Please try to enjoy each fact equally and not show preference for any of the others. She's like, that's 10 points off. You have 90 points remaining. She's like, oh, sorry. And she's like, don't talk. His Audi won a game two weeks ago. His Audi values water. A photo of his Audi with a trophy was once in a newspaper. And, you know, you can see, like, someone's watching on a camera. I don't know if it's being recorded, but someone's clearly watching. His Audi has no fear of muggers or knaves. His Audi likes the sound of radar. (laughs) Like, what? His Audi is skilled at kissing and lovemaking. And he's like, oh. And she's like, I'm sorry, don't talk. That's another 10 points off. (laughs) I don't know what that's about. And then we see there's a jar. It says limit two tokens per person per day. So Dylan gets a token. There's like a vending machine. It's like all Lumen brand items. There's like generic, you know, colored, pastel colored boxes with Lumen. So there's like a, on a one row of machines like edamame, raisins, peanuts, and I think it was beets. And then he looks at his other row. There's like blueberries, ginseng cubed, sunflower seeds, and I think it said meat smoked and salted so he goes for the raisins hell he walks up and she's like is it just the elevators with the code detectors or is it the stairwells too and he's like you gotta let it go she's like "Yeah, okay but she's like how good are the scanners irv returns in good spirits he says that he's like oh you know i met the head of optic and dylan's like bert he's like i met that guy he's an f and he's like you didn't tell him where we were did you because, again, the other departments aren't supposed to know, I guess. And, you know, since it's just a, a maze of hallways, so who knows what's behind all these doors? I don't know. And so they, they're, they like, starting to discuss and argue about this. Heli's just, like, staring at the numbers on her screen. And then she calls them over, and she's kind of looking. I don't know if she was looking at a five or zeros, but there's other numbers. And Dylan's like, oh, yeah, fence off the bad data, like I told you. So then, like, this square of numbers that are highlighted, she, like, kind of drags them to, like, this bin at the bottom. And, you know, and, again, this is all just, like, old school screen is just like black and white. Like, you know, no, not fancy graphics or anything like that. So she's like, they they were scary. So then we see Ms. Cobell staring out her window uh, at her house. And Mark is in his house. He's setting up like a sleeping bag on a couch or something like that in his garage for PD. And he's like, you know, you can use a, you know, the shower or whatever. And he's like, Oh, what are you trying to say? Cause you know, he probably stinks or something like that. So he goes in the bathroom and then his phone starts buzzing or something like that. And he, then you know, Petey, he like leans over sink, like groaning. And he has like a bloody nose or something like that. And then he turns on a shower. But then it's like he sees himself in a shower while he's at the sink or something like that. But he's probably like seeing his other life, like his, his innie. And then he kind of slides to the floor. And Petey's like, are you okay? But it's like, is he okay? It's like, did he just die? Or is he just like, what is going on? And that's the end of the second episode. So this show again, I what I, I almost describe is it, it kind of feels like a, a Black Mirror episode, but it, it's just just a whole idea of being separated, and it's like what is what's going on? Like what are they doing? Because uh, oh. again, it makes sense for Mark if something horrible happened in his life, you know, he just wants to wants to forget about it. You know, he's wants to keep himself busy, and he he drinks when he gets home to try to forget about things, and then when he's working he doesn't have to work, you know, he's not going to remember anything. And the other thing is the show it's already renewed for a second season. I think it's, it's already listed. So it, this was before it even started. So I can't wait for that. So, um, yeah, so you can, uh, the third episode is out already if you want to get ahead or just wait. And I'll talk about that next week. Okay. Then the movie feature this week is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So this is on Netflix. This new, new movie. It's kind of like a sequel to the original, I I guess I haven't read anything. I haven't read anything about this. Like I don't even know why they made this movie. I mean, it's just it's so it's a it's a direct sequel to the original movie. So it's acting as if all the other ones didn't didn't happen. Okay, I get that. Um, sounds a little familiar. That's what uh, they did with Halloween, right? So they're following the same blueprint. The other thing is, I had no idea. This is like Netflix and Legendary Pictures. So it's like okay. Maybe it, it'll be a you know that gives it a little bit more um makes it a little more legitimate. Unfortunately, it wasn't that good of a movie. I didn't really like it. It's it's definitely violent and gory, but uh, I mean one thing the movie's eighty-one minutes. Is it eighty-one or eighty-three minutes? But anyways, it's it's short. It's less so my my detector, my philosophy, whatever my observations it seems like when a movie is less than, than 90 minutes, there's something, there's something, I don't know what it is about that. Uh, you know, I Was it Crawl, the alligator movie? That one was, that one was okay for being under, under 90 minutes. I, I know that one s- sticks in, in my mind, but there's something about the under 90 minutes. And there's something to be said about that too. It's like, okay, you know, you don't want to, you know, why drag out the movie? You know, what, what can you do? But, because of that, it's almost like things kind of happen pretty quickly in, in a bit. So I'm going to go through part of the movie. I'm going to spoil probably more than I normally would um, just because <laughs> I don't think it's that, that good of a movie. But there's there's some things I want to talk about that don't really make sense. But just so you get an idea of, of where of <laughs> the, the, what the movie is, is like. And again, if you watch the trailer... When I first saw the trailer, the whole like bus scene, all the people on their phones, I'm just like, uh, and, and yeah, that was a good indication of, of the movie. So it starts off, there's, you know, you see like a TV, like a DVD or whatever. It's like, or something like old house There's like August 18th, 1973, five youths attacked by an unidentified madman, you know, and he's like used tools and, ch- and chainsaw. There's only one survivor, Sally Hardesty. So the attacker wore a mask made of human skin. His identity remains a mystery. So, I'm trying to think of how the first movie ended because I, I guess, you know, I'm thinking about like Chainsaw 2, whatever was that, the one with Dennis Hopper and like the chili cook off thing. So, we know that Leatherface has uh, some like you know, weird, strange family, but I'm trying to think in the original movie, did he still have the family there? Because I know there is like some petrified, like dead, you know people like bodies sitting at the table like in clothes so i'm trying to think at the mix i remember at the end of the movie where she gets away and you know she's running running down the street i still have this vividly mind and this like big semi comes and you know she's like trying to get in and and uh was there another dude that in a pickup truck or was it the truck driver where he sees chainsaw and he's the, he sees leatherface he runs like back from him but then she gets away and leatherface is just like waving the chainsaw around like in the middle of the street and then that's kind of where it ends what what happens after that it starts off here we see this girl lila she's buying stuff at a gas station and you know the the news program, special documentary show, whatever was on, on the, the TV. So she asked the, the cashier dude, she's like, so whatever happened to Sally? And he's like, Oh, you know, she became a ranger in Texas. You know, she searched for that maniac for like, you know, 30 to 40 years, but you know, he was wearing a mask. So that doesn't make it easy to locate. So there's um, uh, three. So, th- so there's a total of three girls and, and a dude and they're, they're headed to Harlow. And as they're at the gas station, this good old boy in the next pump, you know, he pulls up in his big, big pickup truck. He has, like, a gun on him. And uh, the second girl, Melody, she kind of gets sassy with him and everything like that. So I guess the first girl, Lila, you know, she's anti-guns or something like that. And and you can see she has, like, a bullet wound on her shoulder. Like, you know, she kind of, as they're driving away, she kind of, like, touches it, you know, moves her shirt, whatever. So you can see that. As they're driving... They get stopped by the sheriff and and uh, um, the main dude, Dante, he's, he's black. He's like, put your hands where you can see him, whatever. So he, the sheriff's like, he knows that they're coming through. He's like, you know, just be respectful of the town or whatever. So they get to Harlow. It's a ghost town. Apparently, they're going to rebuild the town. So they're going to, what was the, the, the word? They're basically going to try to rejuvenate it, reinvest it. Um, um, you know, get, they have investors coming and everything like that. And... Uh, it turns out that the guy at the pump is actually their, their contractor. So there's a little bit of tension. So this, his name is Richter. So he he's there. He got because as they're driving, he like pulls around, you know, passes them, and all this like black exhaust comes out of the car, and they're like honking at him. So there's like all this like tension and stuff like that, because he like overheard them at the gas station talking about you know guns and because uh um, Melody was talking about like compensating and you know whatever. So as they get to this building they see this like Confederate flag in a building and they're like well we have you know investors coming and in. and Dante you know he's really pissed by about this so they go inside to to try to remove it you know he's reaching out the window there's like bars in the window he can't really get it and that this building is like an orphanage cuz there's like pictures on the wall whatever um, it turns out there's a lady in there and she's like, what are you doing? in my at my house or something like that? And melody's like the bank reclaimed this place months ago. It's so like, you're not supposed to be there. And she's like, I'm not going anywhere. And, and then she's like, that flag was my granddaddy's. It reminds me of him. And then, um, as they're talking to her, there's this big, big dude at the top of the stairs. And she's like, it's you go back up there, you know? And she's like, that's the last of my boys. So then, there's, you know Dante. He's like, okay, whatever. So he goes outside, you know, because the sheriff gave him his cards, like if you need anything, you know, whatever. So the sheriff arrives. He tells Jenny that they told her weeks ago that she had to leave, and she's like, I'm not leaving. And then she's kind of like starts vomiting, and then she's like, she's having a heart attack or something like that then ruth dante's fiance she's gonna go with because melody was gonna go with but the investors are like about to get there so ruth's gonna go with to make sure she's okay whatever and the big dude he goes too and he's just kind of has like long hair and he's kind of freaky so investors come into this is like big big bus whatever as they're driving, because the sheriff has like a, a big van, so that's supposed to be like the ambulance too. Um, Ruth's sitting in, in the passenger seat with the sheriff, and there's like a, a wire fence thing. And then like the deputies in the back with uh, Ruth and, and the big dude. Ginny dies in the van on the way there. And the dude's like trying to, because she has like an oxygen tank that she had with her. So he's like trying to put it on her, and he's like keeps like hitting it, trying to turn it on. And then the deputy like... Grabs his hand like to stop him because she's dead, and he just kind of glares at him. Then the, the deputy lets go. So then the dude grabs his his wrist, bends it, snaps it, and like bone sticking out of his hand. And then he like shoves it into his throat. And the deputy tries shooting at him, but then the gun goes off and hits the sheriff, of course. And then the van veers off the road and hits like this combine, you know, whatever big tractor thing on, on the side of the road. So, um, Lila, you know, oh, we see Lila and she goes goes to talk to Richter in the garage and there's like an assault rifle on the bench and she's like, is it loaded? And he takes out the ammo. He's like, have you ever shot one? She's like, no, but I've been shot at. That's why she's where she got the bullet. There was like a a school shooting. So what the dude does, um, because, you know, Ruth's like uh, in the front seat, the sheriff's like dead and she's like. Kind of like days, and I don't know if she's like kind of trapped in the front seat. But the big dude slices off Jenny's face and puts it on his face. So obviously, it's this is Leatherface. And then Ruth, like she, she's trying to talk on the police radio, you know, and and the, the gas station guy hears this. Now the, the big thing is, what what is what what is going on? What is Leatherface's motive? You know, we we. It makes no sense because you know the big question was did Ginny still have the detour house you know because she said she did and Dante's like no you don't and you're like I have it so there is that part but the fact that what has Leatherface been doing for 50 years or whatever has he just been sitting silently like just doing nothing saying at the orphanage and then now all of a sudden because Ginny's dead he's gonna kill any everyone and anyone? You know, it'd be one thing to get, like, revenge against the kids if they caused, you know, Ginny to die, but even even killing, like, the sheriff, and, you know, they didn't do anything against him, and so it just, it, it yeah, it just goes from there. So then, then the deaths start happening, and they just keep going, and um but there's a part, and it's, like, I'll say one time, it just starts raining, he ends up back at the house, you know, just killing more people, and it just starts raining <laughs> at one night, but, or, you know, at, at night, And then the partner you see in a trailer, you know, all the investors, they're like on the bus, just like partying or whatever. And he comes on and they all raise their phones and they're like live streaming, recording them. They're like, yeah, go ahead. You do something. You're about to get canceled. And then he just starts like attacking them and they're trapped on the bus. And, uh, so it's just, it gets a little, little, little silly. And, um, just, but yeah, like I said, it's um, definitely violent and other. Oh, the other thing is d- then Leatherface at one point, because Ginny's like, stay out of my bedroom or something like that. And after he goes there and he starts like pounding on, on the wall with a hammer and his chainsaw was hidden in the wall or something like that. And so, okay, his chainsaw has been in the wall for 50 years and then, it's still gonna it's gonna work without being fine To I don't know much about chainsaws or like you know big tools like that but I would think it would need to be oil or something like that even if there was gas in it it probably w- wouldn't it dry up after 50 years evaporate and all of a sudden it, it's perfect working order and you know so he can use it and he's he definitely does use it oh and then the whole thing uh, obviously um Sally Hardesty she's going to find out that this dude's back the dude she's been looking for 50 years and so it's totally like Laurie Strode you know she's going to come back to try to get revenge on him and it's, I'm I won't say anything but she doesn't quite get revenge let's just say that it's just like <laughs> oh so not quite like that but it, there's just it's it's a little silly like how it ends and everything like that and um and and yeah and then is that the end of chainsaw of Leatherface at the end of the movie probably not because they want to be able to make a sequel I can't see them making a sequel off off of this so the big problem I I, I or the problems I have with this movie is one the kids are annoying they're not likable even though they're they're trying to do a good thing you know trying to rejuvenate this town but it is about making money. And, you know, whatever, there's, it's a business opportunity. There's nothing wrong. It's a ghost town. There was a the fact that the lady was still living there and they're trying to push her out. But um, I don't think there was like any malicious uh, intent there. You know, they, they thought the idea that the banks owned all this. So, you know, it's, it's not necessarily them doing it. You know, if they're working for some organization, I don't know, but they're all just kind of annoying. No, who cares about them? And then the fact that why is Leatherface just like killing everyone? And it's like, okay, he just wants to do it. And again, has he been able to resist killing for 50 years and then now all of a sudden he's killing everyone? So I'm not the biggest fan of the the Chainsaw Massacre movies. I'm I think this is like I think I, this is like the ninth movie or something like that. I think I've seen most of them. I don't think I've seen all of them. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen all I don't think I've seen all of them. I don't know. But I think there's only so much you can do with it and just the fact trying to give him, you know, the motivation why he wants to do it. It's one thing if a group of kids come by the house and, you know, it's his territory type of thing. But this is just like there's just no reason for it. And it's just like just killing just to kill. I guess you could say the same thing, why does Michael Myers kill you know, he's just randomly killing people? I almost feel like that they're I don't know exactly when this but i feel like they're looking at like oh look how successful halloween the the two halloween movies have been doing let's try to do that that same thing and i forget if it's if it's even the same actress that played sally maybe it is um i i don't even i don't even feel like looking it up right now because it doesn't matter i mean maybe it is i i that would make sense but i don't know oh no okay so i i i did just look at it i just paused yeah, so Sally Hardsey, the only survivor, she was portrayed by Marilyn Burns in original film, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, and archive f- footage in Chainsaw Texas Chainsaw 3D. But she died in 2014, so she was recast. But, I don't know. It just didn't seem, like, necessary. I mean you can say that with any movie like why do it and i get you know you have this franchise you know you want to try to make something of it but it just it was a little lacking then it was just like okay let's just let's ha- have some deaths with chainsaw it's like cool so i don't know so that was it it was i was disappointed and you know i like i said i wasn't like a huge fan but i i can respect or appreciate the franchise and you know the idea of rejuvenating bring it back i was like okay that's cool but it just it just wasn't good so i'm actually glad i didn't see it in the theater because i feel like it would have been a a letdown and at least with netflix you know whatever they got my viewership numbers but it was just it was disappointing and um, i feel like it could have been better and just the ending was just kind of cheesy and just I again, w- you know, what's the motivation is is my my big question. So that was uh un- unfortunately n- not the best movie. Uh, <laughs> it won't won't even be near my top ten movie to- of the years because I never c- keep top ten lists anyways. But but yeah, so that was disappointing. So on that note, wah wah wah, that's going to be the end of the podcast. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash Heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to The Secret Podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I just recently talked about all six Resident Evil movies, so live action movies. Um, last week's was like a double-sized episode almost, and I debated whether I was going to do one this week. I, I think I probably still will. Um, and I, I'm going to go with a comic book. And uh, you, you, no big surprise who to, the creator is and character. It's, it's just it's something a little wholesome, so you can hear about that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash Gman from Heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That ko-fi.com slash man from heck. So next week, what are we going to have? We'll have more Snow Piercer, Superman and Lois, um, more severance. Yeah, I don't think I don't know. Maybe I'll talk a little bit more about Space Force. I, I don't I don't know. And but the big movie feature is the Batman. So that is coming out. I'm excited. That'll make up for this week, right? Hopefully. Hopefully it's going to be really good. It looks good. I'm trying to avoid seeing any more trailers or anything about that. So that is going to be cool. I can't wait for that. Um, and then after that, I'm not sure what's coming up. If there's anything after um, the following week. So March is, is, is a little light. So uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. But that is it for this week. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you are doing well. Um, I can't believe we're like almost in March already, right? And just... Uh, two months down of this year 2022 is is flying by so i hope you're doing well i hope you're taking care of yourself i hope you're finding time to do fun things you know whatever and i really hope you remember to be good to each other